Welcome to Composer Quest. The best... No, let's try that again. (laughs) Welcome to Composer Quest. The podcast that's much better than all the rest. Welcome to Composer Quest with your host, Charlie McCarran. I just arrived in the Tunbridge World's Fair, uh, Tunbridge, Vermont. Beautiful foothills around here, and there's lots of cows, lots of rides for kids, or me. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But right now, I am curious if I'll actually get to meet up with Jake Haller, because cell phone reception is really out here so hopefully I'll be able to spot him I kind of know what he looks like Jake Heller yes good to see you I was worried that I wasn't gonna find you here I know it's a, it's a huge place with a million people so yeah I wasn't sure it was gonna work out either and there's no cell phone reception at all <laughs> yeah uh, so What's going on here at this World's Fair? You, right. you invited me. I was going to meet you in Rhode Island, but... Yeah, but then you, I wasn't going to be there. You weren't going to be there, so... Yeah, so we're at the Tunbridge World's Fair, which has been going on for... I Actually, I'm not sure how long, but a really long time. And it's just... I mean, I imagine... Um, you know, it's kind of like a state or county fair anywhere. There's a lot of fried food and, and livestock and... There's a parade right now. They're just marching all the cows down the main throughway there. It's yeah, kind of crazy. I got some good sound effects oh, of good. the cows. Um, so is this based... It's called the World's Fair. Was it, like, based on some, like, that the World's Fair type things? Like, where they show technology and stuff from the future? And... Uh, I am actually not sure the origin of the name. I mean, they don't really do that now. Now yeah, it's, it's like more, stuff from the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I like all these machines that I'm not sure what they're doing, but they, they keep backfiring and making kind of interesting popping noises. Yeah, like old tractor engines doing, I don't know what. Yeah, the, the tent is labeled Cool Old Things, <laughs> oh, which is yeah. nicely specific. Yeah. So what else do you think we'll be able to see here today? Well, uh, it's been a little while since I've been here, but um, I have so, I've done very little research as to actually what's going on. <laughs> well, so that's, I, that, I like that, on, though. Well, well, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So, Jake, we are going to be seeing some swine racing. We are. Yes. Uh, maybe place a few bets. <laughs> If this is anything like pig racing out in Stillwater, Minnesota, uh, there'll be plenty of puns. Yes. And hilarious little pigs running around. Do you want to put a dollar on a pig and see what what happens? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. 
boys and girls, we are just three minutes away from pig racing time. We're just three minutes away from showtime right here at uh, the Chumbridge World's Fair. So we have plenty of pig options to bet on here. Yes, second race is where the puns really start yeah. hitting. Miley Swinus, Bustin' Bacon Beaver, Leggy Haga, Piggy Azalea, Britney Spear Ribs. You know, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go for Lady Haga. All right. Uh, what are you, where are you going to go? I think I'll go with Piggy Azalea. I think okay. that's the best pun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll get one for uh, Piggy Azalea. Lady Haga. All right. All right. Now we'll we'll see how this May the best how this so win. goes. Yeah. On the outside, number one, Miley Swinus. and the crowd goes wild. Oh. Right next to our number two, Bustin' Bacon Beaver. He squeals out there for Beaver. Lady Haga. Yeah. Next to Lady Number Four, Piggy Azalea. Jacob. Claps very respectfully. Respectfully. At the sound of the bugle, they will be off. Oh, you won! I won! Nice! <laughs> Piggy Azalea. Yeah. The best fun one, so. Yeah, well. I like to think so. Alright, you got a little green stuffed pig. I did. That's it's pretty my... cute. It's like an angry pig. Yes. Dollar well spent. Yes. The uh, victory uh, is mine. Yep. <laughs> Oh, they're giant. They're giant hogs. Oh my god. Pot belly pigs. Oh yeah. Excellent. Also some, yeah, fog or dry ice or something. We should have bet on this third round. I know. This is, this looks way more hilarious. As you can see, things are lean, mean racing machines. They're gonna be black blurs in front of your eyes as they flash around the drag at breakneck speed. If you blink, you'll be missing all of the action. Well, Anne Hutchinson was a mighty woman. She was the daughter of Francis Marbury. And she was put on trial in 1637 for preaching in that Boston colony. Lord, Lord. Preaching in that Boston colony. Well, the governor said to Anne Hutchinson, Well, you've broken that biblical law. For a woman's place is in honoring her husband, Not speaking out in church at all, Lord, Lord. Speaking out in church at all. Well, let me read to you 
from the Bible. That's what Anne said to that governor. It says that my duty as an elder woman is to teach those that are younger. Lord, Lord, teach those that are younger. And Anne said, what law have I broken? Just tell me and I'll see if it is true. Then the governor shouted, well, hold on, sister, cause we're the judges here, not you, Lord, Lord. We're the judges here, not you. And they argued for days into the evening, and the governor was losing his cool. For despite all his learning, that self-educated midwife was making him look just like a fool, Lord, Lord, making him look just like a fool. And Anne said, you know that I'm not worried, cause God said you can't hurt me. Then the judge laughed out loud and the court retired to convict her of heresy, Lord, Lord, convictor of heresy. Now some might say the moral of the story is the dangers of too much pride. But I say it shows it's hard to break through that glass ceiling Even with God on your side, Lord, Lord Even with God on your side Well, Anne Hutchinson was a mighty woman She was the daughter of Francis Marbury And she was put on trial in 1637 for preaching in that Boston colony, Lord, Lord, preaching in that Boston colony. So, Jake, uh, we're sitting on a hill. Well, right, my where uh, where are we? Explain. We're, we're in Tunbridge, Vermont. Uh, my mother and her partner Frank have a house up here that they come up and spend a lot of time in, in this summer and they invited me to come up for the Tunbridge Fair which is this weekend so that's why I'm here and by extension that's why you're here. Yeah this is like the most scenic place I've ever recorded this podcast by far. I Yeah we're sitting on a park bench that's in the middle of a field like on top of a little I don't know hillock or something and there's just fields and crickets and and not a whole lot else for, for <laughs> a large, quite a ways around. Yeah, a large scenic valley, sun setting, yeah. Yeah. And so you just performed this song for me. It's Anne Hutchinson, what, what's the title? Uh, the Ballad of Han- Anne Hutchinson. And how I came to write that song was, uh, I live in Rhode Island normally, and basically how... Rhode Island came to be founded was Roger Williams lived in Massachusetts. He was a preacher there and he said a a bunch of kind of controversial things and was kind of a divisive figure there and was about to be deported back to England. In the middle of the night, he got a message saying, you're about to get deported. You should run away. 
and he did. And it turned out that the person who gave him the secret warning was the governor of Massachusetts, who was also his ju- the judge at his trial. So it was like a very strange situation. So he came down and he founded Providence. And then uh, a few years later, Anne Hutchinson, uh, who had come over with the Puritans, settled in Massachusetts, was having prayer meetings in her house, and the powers that be didn't like what she was saying or the people that were coming to these meetings. So they put her on trial and ultimately found her guilty. And um, Roger Williams suggested that she take her followers and settle down in Portsmouth, which is kind of southeast of Providence. And so that's what she did. So she kind of started Rhode Island? Yeah, she was one of the founders and just went on to do some kind of amazing things. Ultimately, she and her family went to Long Island and there they met up with some Native Americans who were angry at the Dutch and they were all killed. Uh, Except for one daughter who was raised by the Indians until some relatives of the Hutchinsons from Massachusetts came down to, to reclaim her, at which point she didn't want to go back because I think, you know, in the 17th century, being a woman among the Puritans was not necessarily that great compared to being Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> a woman in the uh, the native tribes. Uh, but she did go back eventually. And, and every once in a while when I play that song at a show, someone will come up to me afterwards and say, I'm a descendant of Anne Hutchinson. That's always oh. kind of neat. Wow, cool. So they would have come from the daughter right. who... Yeah, she was the only surviving oh, well. descendant. So I've never been to Rhode Island, I don't think. Maybe just <laughs> passing through very briefly, but... Yeah, if you're on 95 and you're going from New York to Boston, you'll you'll skim through it, but that'll be about it. Um, you'll probably be so relieved to be out of Connecticut that you won't even notice. <laughs> so what's the music scene like in Rhode Island? It's one of those things, like, I think I think this might be true a lot of places, but it's definitely true of Rhode Island where there's just so many talented people. Like, there's, you know, I've had a lot of them on my own podcast. Uh, and so I think as a music fan, it's, like, a great place because you can go out and see a lot of shows very inexpensive or even free. And the, the flip side of that is if you're a musician, you're going to be playing a lot of shows for very little money. <laughs> Um, but you'll see, you know, it's, I've had a good career there, I feel like, um, and met and made friends with a lot of really great musicians. So you have your own podcast on songwriting. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your song, it's called, and I'm going to... You've a guest on it? Yep. Yeah, that, um, that was in April, I guess, or, uh, can't remember when it got released, but... Let me check. Yeah, April 11th is when it was released. Yeah. So if you just Google my name and tell me about your song, it should be up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm going to ask you the tough question that I can never ask answer as a podcaster, but okay. are there, what is like one main thing that you've learned that you think is like one of the most important things? Oh man, that is tough. Well, I've learned a few things. One is that basically all of the people that I admire most as musicians, or maybe not all of them, but like 90% of them think they're terrible guitarists. Like everyone thinks that they're a bad guitarist. So I try not to 
to be as hard as on myself because like if you if you play that long and you you're making music that people like like there has to be some quality there even if you yourself are just mainly aware of your weaknesses so yeah well and i feel like since people don't study guitar usually right and maybe they feel like well i can't read guitar music i only strum chords or whatever but that's kind of like what it is in our culture (laughs) it's an instrument that people can play for as a hobby easily yeah right and you can play it on your own for a really long time and gradually learn new things and improve and you know get better at keeping time and stuff but it's it happens so slowly that it's really easy to not be aware that you're making any progress at all until someone else is like, you know, like my dad, my guitar style largely is really based on how my dad plays guitar. But I can play things that he can't play now. Is he a, like, blues guitar guy, or...? He's kind of a folk, like, like this whole thing is... Is, is this, or... Wow, this has already gone out of tune. <laughs> like... That he he does a lot of that kind of like thumb and thumb strum thing. Um, Speaking yeah. of guitars, uh, when we were at the Tunbridge Fair today, we saw the the best in show like art piece was a guitar. Yeah, and yeah, it looked really interesting. And you pointed out like, hey, the frets are like crooked. Yeah, uh, the uh, the bridge was angled really weird, so the E string, the high E was like shorter, and the frets were shorter to match that. Right. And and the low E was the frets were farther apart. So I, I don't know if that was just like stylistic thing or like maybe for your hand shape. Yeah, I was very curious about it. I was like, I wish I could play that guitar yeah. and see what the heck that's <laughs> like. I was just uh, listening to your podcast on the way up. Yeah. And there's. A recent episode where you you're kind of talking about your own songs, and there's one song in particular. Uh, it's called "Stale Tequila." Yeah, you that, want to, yeah. If you got it, sure, I can. I would love to hear that one live on the spot. Sure, you got it. After the show. I had packed up my guitar, you caught my eye, you were standing at the bar, you flashed me a knowing grin, looking so good it was half a sin, I felt myself start to fall in lust, my brain began to whirl, till I thought it might come bust. And I woke up, the taste of stale tequila in my mouth. I looked around, I was all alone. How could you do it? You were so beautiful. A few more drinks and a half a pack of smokes. We talked for hours, you laughed at all my jokes. Then we went back to your hotel We did some things that I shouldn't tell I felt myself start to fall asleep 
You made me feel so safe Well, it almost made me weep And I woke up The taste of stale tequila in my mouth I looked around, I was all alone How could you do it? You were so beautiful Then I awoke In a bathtub full of ice You left a note I had to read it twice It said call 911 I stole your kidney, thanks for the fun I felt myself start to fall apart Well, I know you took my kidney But you also stole my heart And I woke up The taste of tequila in my mouth I looked around, I was all alone How could you do it? You were so beautiful Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Thank what, you. What was the motivation for that? Uh, it was, well, this was a, an assigned theme kind of thing put on by the Rhode Island Songwriters Association, which is um, basically you have a month to write a song on an assigned theme chosen by the previous month's audience. So that one, the theme was stale tequila. And I actually don't drink myself, so that was like a little bit of a challenge. And, but uh, as you learned earlier from talking to my mother, um, you know, there was a while in, in high school where my parents owned a bar, and so I spent a lot of time there. So I also was aware that tequila doesn't really go stale per se. So that was another thing. And then I just sort of got the idea of like, you know, there's this the urban legend of the guy. This guy has this one night stand, and then wakes up the next morning in the bathtub full of ice um, with a note that says "Call 911." And he calls, you know, it turns out that, that his kidney has been stolen. And I was like, okay, so let's write a song about that. Except then the kind of, the deal is that he is still has this kind of infatuation with the woman at the end. And so, <laughs> and there's, like the first time I did uh, Songwriters in the Round, the theme was childhood photographs. And I did this song that's like... Um, Here's a picture from the night you sacrificed your first goat. It was bleating awful loud. You know you made me awful proud. When you took your silver knife and you cut its little throat. It's amazing how you've grown since that day. And that's like that for like four verses. Um, and when I wrote that song, I wrote it like fairly early. So then I had like two weeks where I was just really frightened that I was going to show up and one or even all of the other songwriters would have had the same idea and written basically the same song but better. I really I, thought that that might happen, but it did I'm not. I'm sure it didn't after it did not, <laughs> hearing no. that. Was... Stale Tequila was another early one, and eventually I just realized, no, my, my brain is very strange and no one else is going to come up with the same thing I do. So you gave me a challenge as my Kickstarter backer. Oh, that's right. And I think your Stale Tequila song actually fulfills the that 
that challenge oh, too because uh, your challenge was to write a song that has the same chorus but the verses change the meaning. Yeah. And that's yeah. So you didn't know this, but I already finished that challenge oh, along the way with awesome. uh, Ryan Ruff Smith, who is in episode two. Excellent. And well, I look forward to hearing get that. To hear it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a treat. Yeah, that's like one of those techniques. You know, like the more common technique is that the chorus is a little bit different each time, which I also like that a lot. Because uh, I feel like these are things that make, that can help make it so that each time you listen to the song, there's, you, you find something new about it. Like there's something. Um, but I think it's the harder trick of like just contextualizing it. Um, yeah, we, we really kind of had to jump through some hoops to like make the story work, but the chorus also relevant to it each yeah. time. We just decided we're going to do one line, I've got miles ahead of me. Oh, so that's, that's good. the, yeah, that's the very ambiguous chorus. I've got miles ahead of me. Miles ahead of me. Oh, yeah. So, Jake, I know you've been a longtime listener of Composer Quest. I don't know, are you disappointed in, in me as a podcaster? For finishing, for quitting. No. Uh, I mean, I would love if it continued, certainly, and I would continue to listen. But, you know, it's always kind of the dilemma with any of these sorts of projects. Like, TV shows kind of run on the same thing, where you're like, people complain, like The Simpsons, for instance, that it's gone on too long. Which, you know, I mean, I think that myself. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't watch it anymore, and haven't for years, but... They're like, well, but I could do, you know, but if you did one more year and it would be maybe not quite as good as the last, like, it's just hard. Yep. And then, of course, like, you've got other projects that you want to work on and those will be interesting, musical and otherwise. Right. So I don't feel like you're under, you know, certainly you're under no obligation to keep making it just for me and, and I'll be interested to see what else you do. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully, other people are as accepting. Have you I mean, asked that I question feel, to other people on the uh, tour? Not, not really on the tour. Uh, not on not on record, I guess. <coughs> but mostly, people understand, and I think I think it'll be good in the end. Like sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I I see the sheer amount of episodes, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I, there's no way I can listen through all of these. Yeah. So if I feel like kind of if there's an endpoint, it might help people like actually listen to all of them because I think there's like so many good gems in there. I mean, it's something that I think about for my own. Like, I think that a strength of your podcast is that it has a lot of variety built into it. Like, not only that you talk to a bunch of different kinds of people, but then you also have the composer quest themselves. In fact, I think some of the most interesting episodes have been those like little short ones where, where oh, you're like, showing off you know, the quests. Like what people have composed and yeah, but but even more than that, like talking to um, what was it like the Suzuki flute? Oh yeah, being like okay, so how do you write yeah a piece for for a flute choir? Right. Yeah, and there's like okay, well, some of the flute players are not going to be that good, so you want to have something that they can do, and then others are going to be really good. So yeah, you know, and th- and that's like really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's almost like sometimes you just need a. A specific challenge, and then you start thinking like, "Oh, how would I write 
this tuba solo or something. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, those are those can be super interesting. And then your actual interviews are like, I, I think that you talk to more of a variety of musicians than I've heard on any other show. Yeah, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes I I wonder about the variety. Like for me as an interviewer, it's very fun to like talk to all these different styles, but. Like, thinking if I was just picking up a podcast, would I want to listen to, like, someone doing metal to someone doing, like, hip-hop to someone doing classical? But I think, like, what I've found is that, like, pretty much everyone has an interesting take on music writing in general. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, how many episodes of Composer Quest have you put out, do you know, offhand? Uh, I think it's, like, just over 150 I've listened to all of them since I subscribed, but I think there might be some of the earlier ones that I never did. So I guess that can be something I can do is catch up on the back catalog. But so, you know, I mean, my, my podcast has, uh, I think as of Monday, there are going to be 72 episodes, something like that. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. So that's sort of my, one of my questions to myself is like, to what extent should I worry about it eventually getting kind of samey? Sure. Um, because I guess you do focus more, like, you have the niche of kind of folk songwriter style mostly, would you say? A lot of the people I talk to are in that genre. And then occasionally even people who aren't, such as yourself, right, will, because that's often, like, kind of guitar, folk, you know, that's often, I guess, maybe where a lot of really personal stuff comes from and... Yeah, people are maybe more comfortable. I don't know. I don't well, have yeah, a good theory about that. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because you do. When you asked me on the show, you said like, "Well, what's one song that you can talk about for around twenty minutes?" And all your guests tend to say like, "No, there's no song I could talk about for that long." But then you guys end up talking for much longer sometimes. <clears throat> there have been a few that have gone two hours, which is too long. Oh. <laughs> um, Basically, my goal is you just talk until you've, everything that needs to be said has been said. But after two hours, like, I'm definitely getting tired. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons why I started the podcast is I was just kind of thinking about how, like, as a, you know, low-level singer-songwriter myself, you don't, just don't get a lot of opportunity to talk like that. Like, if you're on stage, one of the things that people sometimes say is, like, shut up and sing, which is just like... People are here to listen to you sing. They're not here to, to hear you between, you know, talk between songs. So, and then like just, you know, if if you are through some chance in an interview, it's probably going to be about an album or maybe your overall career. It's probably not going to be about a specific song. So that's where that was kind of the genesis of the idea. And then also like I was like, and I won't have to do any research because <laughs> I'll just talk about the song and. Yeah, which is not a hundred percent true, but it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. So, Jake, I have a question from my last guest. Too. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. So, um, my last guest uh, who asked the question was Chris Hagen, who okay. is a film composer and teaches film at NYU, mm-hmm. film composing. And his question probably more applies to film composers, but he was wondering. Like, how do you give music your personal character? Right. Um, When I recorded, uh, I think, my second album, 
the engineer said, I think I figured out that the unifying theme of this album is that all of the songs sound different. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. You know, because I do a lot of different styles. I mean, so then what's in it that's me? Uh, particularly since it's rare that I write a song that's particularly autobiographical or anything. So having agreed that the question does kind of apply to me, I'm not sure what the answer is. <laughs> you've been, uh, yeah, you've gone the long way around this question. Yeah, to saying I don't know. Um, I think that, like, there are things that I'm concerned about. Uh, you know, one of the things that I like to do is come up with songs with twists of one type of, or another in them, as you've probably observed. And I, I guess I just kind of returned to that story I was talking about earlier of playing in the Songwriters in the Round series and then realizing that no one was likely to come up with the same idea that I did. Like, that it's, I just have my own point of view, which no one else has. And I don't know exactly what the point of view is, but it, it seems pretty strong. I don't know. It's a, it's a challenge. It's something to figure out still, I guess. Sure. So I guess I have to come up with a question for the next person? Yes. Well, you know, I I have that song about the trial of Anne Hutchinson. So maybe my question is, if you have written a song that's based on a real-life story, to what extent do you research it, and to what extent do you feel comfortable changing things about it? And the answer might be, oh, I've never written a song like that. And then I, I <laughs> don't know. But. Well, yeah. I had one challenge one time with um, Spin Tunes songwriting. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I forgot that you were in that too for like a year. Yeah. Or one, one of the Spin Tunes challenges. Um, but one of the first ones I did was uh, you had to do like a story from the viewpoint of a person who was in the same room as a historical figure. Oh, okay. But look on, and I picked someone on the bus with Rosa Parks. Oh. So, a white guy. Yeah. So I sang from that perspective. I was on the bus home When you stepped into my life I'd never known Such fire in a woman's eyes and then actually someone else did the exact same idea. <laughs> so, yeah. But I'm still happy with that song. But I yeah, I don't know. I didn't really do any research. Yeah, other than knowing that story. Right. But there I feel like there's been other times where I've tried to learn a little bit more before I start writing a song about something. Yeah, I mean, the Anne Hutchinson song I took very seriously and I read uh, you know, I read the trial transcript, which is ridiculous, and I reworded the things, but a lot, but the things that are in the song largely did more or less happen in uh, real life. Like the thing where, at one point, because Anne Hutchinson keeps saying, "Like you keep accusing me of things that are not actually against the law," so I really need you to tell me what I did that was illegal, <laughs> and. At one point, the the, uh, the governor or the judge uh, gets so frustrated that she's just like, look, we're the judges here. You're not judging us. Wow. <laughs> she sounds awesome. She's pretty awesome. Jake, one last tradition, if you're up for it. 
Oh, would, right. Would you like to do a Composer Quest theme song? What's a chord that I like? <laughs> yes, E. First position, E. What a wonderful chord. Welcome to Composer Quest. The best... No, let's try that again. <laughs> Welcome to Composer Quest. The podcast that's much better than all the rest. Welcome to Composer Quest with your host, Charlie McCarran. Nice. That's great. <laughs> Are those chords just off the top of your head? They're similar to... Uh, I, I have a song called Just You, which is kind of, has a similar kind of groove to it. You make me feel Just like the luckiest guy alive I never felt this way before At most just once or twice You're a wonderful person You got right under my skin That's why it's true I'm in love with you Just you and you right now um, with my good friend Alex Samuel uh, and Justix McDaniel, a new friend. <laughs> and Alex is one of my Kickstarter backers also. And he has a song prompt for Justice and I to, to work on here. So Alex, you, yeah, you kind of put do. it off like saying what your song prompt was going to be for a while. Sure. And now that I'm here in person <laughs> with you. Pressure's um, on. You had <laughs> the pressure's on. <laughs> But also we we were talking about it, and you had a really awesome idea for the prompt. Sure. So I guess what initially inspired me to just think of this prompt was that um, it's called the Kryptos Sculpture. It's a sculpture outside of the Central Intelligence Agency, and on this sculpture there are four sort of encoded panels. And uh, three of them have been solved, but the fourth panel has remained unsolved, and sort of people are working on it, and... Sort of in my free time, I sort of work on it when, uh, when I'm just trying to think of stuff to do. <laughs> so, awesome. <laughs> um, but it's really fun. It's just, just something to practice my programming and interest in cryptography, so that's why. But I think for the prompt, maybe cryptography is a little too specific, but how about just secrets in general? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like yeah. that idea. Secrets is a good prompt. And immediately, like, my music theory nerd in me went to like, what could we do as a as a secret <laughs> Did you like think, cryptography? Like, <laughs> code? Uh, okay, so we can either do diminished or augmented, <laughs> or yeah, make up our own scale. That's a secret or something. Yeah. The um, other thing we could do, which could be cool, is like actually use use the code on that fourth panel in some way to like Ooh. relate it to notes or yeah yeah we could something like, like that. A, as a kind of prescriptive music thing where yeah you know, that'd be neat be down with the that. other thing we could do so alex was showing me some of the quotes from like the the panels that have been solved have a you know some words with them that's the solution 
So there's one kind of cool quote. Um, I don't know. We could maybe incorporate that. Somehow. Okay. What's, what, what is it? With, so I think when the person who discovered King Tut's tomb, mm-hmm. uh, when he first opened the tomb up, he wrote down his impressions of that moment. Yeah. And it's sort of very beautifully written in his journal, and that was one of the encoded messages. Yeah. Third oh, nice. panel of the cryptosculpture. So. Well, so, no, who who made who made the who made the code and all sure. That? So the sculpture was created by this artist named Jim Sanborn. Okay. Um, and it was installed, I think, in 1991. Mm. And since then, people have been trying to solve solve the messages. Do you remember what the first panel quote was? I don't remember. I can look it up. Sure. Let's ask sure. our yeah. good friend okay. the pretty, internet. Yeah, I remember so, it being cool. <laughs> So the solution for the first section, for the first passage, is reads: between subtle shading and the absence of light, lies the nuance of occlusion. Ooh. Do you know what the second one was? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Get, let's get. Uh, it, sure. Let's, let's get, get all down of them the so far. Yeah. Yeah. So so the solution for the second passage reads: it was totally invisible. How's that possible? They used the Earth's magnetic field. The information was gathered and transmitted underground to an unknown location. Does Langley know about this? They should. It's buried out there somewhere. Who knows the exact location? Only WW. This was his last message. 38 degrees, 57 minutes, 6.5 seconds north. 77 degrees, 8 minutes, 44 seconds west. Layer 2. Wait, what's that one from? That was the second passage. Yeah, but I mean, what's, like, is it? It's just a, uh, it's not from any specific. Okay, it's not a quote or anything. Yeah, no, no, it's not huh. a quote. <laughs> what I, is that location? Yeah, what's there? So <laughs> that, that's, I think if you um, put, plug in the location, that thing that leads back to the CIA. Oh. Or is it Langley? Oh. <laughs> Virginia, yeah. I get it. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then for passage three, slowly, desperately slowly, the remains of passage debris that encumbered the lower part of the doorway was removed. With trembling hands, I made a tiny breach in the upper left-hand corner then winding the hole a little, I inserted the candle and peered in. The hot escaping air from the chamber caused the flame to flicker, but presently details of the room within emerged from the mist. Can you see anything? So this is a paraphrased quotation from Howard Carter's uh, account of opening of the tomb, of, of King Tut's tomb, in 1922. Wow. So basically they all kind of revolve around secrets. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. And hidden like things. It. Right. I'm thinking it would be kind of fun to, like, Make a melody. At least start with a melody based on the the actual code somehow. Okay. Oh, okay. Like so maybe take the, the last ten, last ten letters maybe, or something like that. Yeah. And sure. just like map it to. Oh, I got my laptop too, so we can we can program this stuff if it gets <laughs> hairy. No, no. I do have a MIDI keyboard on me too, though. Come prepared. So everything after this question mark is the 97 characters that are unsolved. So OBKR, that's where it starts. Mm. Okay. So what we got here? Well, we could put it in our laptops somehow. Mm-hmm. That, that would be that would take a little bit to. Well, well I guess what should we? We gotta figure out how we're gonna map it. Like, yeah. we could pick a scale and then have, you know, chromatic or something else. And then just kind of assign, like, okay, your C is A, yeah. all down the line. Yeah, and um, then go, and, and then wrap back 
yeah on itself so like that is kind of how the cryptography works right because you get the key and then based on the key oh man this is perfect like (laughs) musical key yeah, the key cryptography yeah. key. Right. It's the same idea, because like one letter could be related to, or many other letters. Yeah, depending the, on yeah. in the key. Okay, that's, right. that's cool. <laughs> well, I feel like we should pick a scale that's like a little odd. Yeah. Do you? Well, I mean, we could just do chromatic and see what falls out. We could. Um, that can be interesting. We could also do octatonic, although that Ooh. might be sound. It might just sound like itself. Over and over again. It could, it's yeah. It's really symmetrical. Um, hmm. Could do also like merged modes, like Lydian mode plus Mixolydian. Oh, okay. So you get like both four, the flat sharp five, four yeah, and, and the flat, flat seven. seven. I'm down with that. Cool. Yeah. Let's okay. Okay. Let's, let's pick that. And then uh, let's pick a key. Mm, let's see. Is there okay? Is there anything in here that would dictate a key? It's the fourth one, so D. You know, it's the fourth panel. Oh yeah. So you go with the fourth letter. A B C D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And then maybe just the flat seven. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's good. That I like... sounds a little bit mysterious. Yeah. It does. It, okay. I think that's that's like some sort of like Hungarian scale or something. Yeah. So let's see, it would be D, E, F, F sharp, sharp, G, G sharp, sharp, A, B, C, C, D. Yeah. So then do okay. we want to just make it where, like, so, like, this is A, that's B, C, D, et cetera, and then, like, once you get to whatever it is, F, then it's a higher E or something? Sure. All right, cool. Or, yeah, so we jump around. We have, yeah, we have like a rain. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that like a very good. jumpy and weird melody. Okay, so it'd be A, B, C, D. Let's bust the computer out. Because I will not be able to play this. FL12. That's everyone's favorite DAW, right? Is FL Studio? Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Where's the code? Let's, uh, do you want to dictate to me? And sure. I can. You dictate to him, then he'll dictate to me what note that is. Um, And we'll just, I'll start at like D, you know, four or five or whatever. Okay. Four feels good. Uh, Let's see. Do we want to have them all just be the same duration or? That'd be boring probably. We could have them be different lengths but then they quantize to the start of the beat so it is regular starting but then maybe they're some of them are longer some yeah are shorter yeah sure try that all right yeah we'll, ju- oh, we'll just put in stuff and stretch <laughs> it as i see fit <laughs> yeah that sounds good okay. okay ready ready o b okay wait i think we should yeah, it's gonna be go. O. Then what note is that? Oh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah, sorry, this sorry, is gonna okay. be a, a tedious oh, okay. process. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's start again. O. That is D three. D three. Okay. D two. D three. B. E one. Okay. K. G sharp two. Hmm. 
are. G sharp three. Are we there yet? Two more. Two more? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we got this. A. D1. Okay. And R. the final note, R. G sharp. Ending on a very weird note. Which one? Scale. Um, three. Yeah. Spills over into that. All right. We did it. Okay, so... We've entered all these notes painstakingly, Justice says. <laughs> Let's see what it sounds like. You know what? I don't I don't trust piano sound. I'm just gonna put it on a um some sort of just simple synth. Let's see, where's uh three OSC? There it is. We'll just do like a basic mix of uh triangles and signs. And detune that a little bit, just make it fun. There's a pattern in there, though. Wow, I really hear something. Yeah, right? (laughs) I feel like we're cracking this code right now. (laughs) Yeah. This is awesome. Well, I was kind of surprised by the number of two, like the double characters in that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, and you just... Oh, is it? Oh, hang on. Sorry. It's, uh, it, it was looping up. All right. That's my bad. I was going <laughs> to oh. say, that's way too amazing. Oh, no, it was man. just looping like the first, it's just like... looping. Dang. Well, I thought we had figured out the secret. All right. All right. Let's try that again. All right. Well, I liked it, though. Yeah. That's a but fun anyways. little bit. All right. Okay. It's so catchy. Yeah. This is our hook. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's right. The double notes don't rearticulate with this. <laughs> we have not cracked it. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love that first part. <laughs> I think if we just, like, we could make a chorus that just yeah. repeats the first part. <laughs> okay, and then that's it. All right. Wasn't nice. quite the triumphant melody I was hoping for, <laughs> but... So, what is this instrument you're playing here? So this is a six-string ukulele that is my baby guitar. It's supposed to be tuned a fourth above a regular guitar, uh, so, you know, A to A. But I drop-tuned it to E to E, like a regular guitar. It's the greatest because it's, like, maybe, like, half the length of a guitar, and 
you know, the whole, pretty much the whole range, uh, and weighs basically nothing, so you can just bring it anywhere. That's great. So yeah, let's so, see, what could we put under this mess of a melody? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like some chords on that could be nice. Yeah. But you also have your, uh, ocarinas here that you hand built. True, those let's are... See, yeah, how do you build a ocarina? Um, so these ones are clay. Uh, so what you do is, uh, an ocarina is a really simple instrument. You just need a resonating chamber that, you know, your air can vibrate in, and then a place for air to enter and hit a, a fipple, which divides the air. So if you look right here, the, you blow in through the mouth hole, and then there's like basically a little blade in there that cuts the air in half. So some goes above, some goes below, and then that, you know, causes it to be basically on and off hmm. and how so do you, how do you tune it like you're saying you use a tuner yeah, yeah um so the i should be doing these as just like big spheres because uh, that'd be way easier to calculate but these ones are heart-shaped because i was making them around valentine's day but basically it's just like the lowest pitch is your is your total volume um your total volume and your fipple size determine that. So if, if all the holes are closed. Yeah, if if all the holes are closed or when you build it, you know, you build it without extra holes in it and then you drill those to tune it. So, yeah, so you just you have a, a blob basically and it's it has this much air in it, so that's the most air that can vibrate in there that makes your low note. So and if it's like a little higher than you want it to be, then you just go back in and you scoop out some more clay while it's still kind of wet. Or if it's a little lower, then you just pinch it and it raises the pitch up some. So it's, you just kind of like squeeze it. It's like, oh, now it's that shape. And, and then, yeah, to get your other notes, you just start adding holes and that gives the air another place to escape. So it, it makes less air vibrate in there. So it's faster. Yeah. So then you just kind of tune it one note at a time, and you'll have to neaten up afterwards because clay collapses on itself and the total volume changes. But yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's a fun. So in other words, you spend a lot of time process. Yeah, you spend a lot of time on it. So we should incorporate your ocarina in some way because yeah, I actually I have some samples on my computer of ocarinas I've made because um, this one I think is in G. pretty sure that's a G so that won't work for many of these notes but but you could use your ocarina samples that you recorded for yeah that's we could add another line using this we could actually just replace uh yeah this let's see we'll replace it with a sampler where are you sampler there you are okay so then you just you put in the sample of the ocarina and then it'll just like tune it for you as long as you pick the right starting note hmm. with the magic of computers orchestral owl sounds i have a i have a folder in my samples folder called owl sounds <laughs> <laughs> oh boy euphonium fake bassoon oh yeah i built i built a bassoon uh out of pvc pipe and a, a bassoon reed that made a, a pretty pretty brutal sound. Let me see if I can bring that guy up. 
<laughs> it sounds extra good coming out of your laptop speakers yeah. too. That's well that's what it was intended for, I think, is laptop speakers. Crossfade sounds <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, we got. I got to tune that down. There we go. <laughs> uh, Alex, you've created a, a farting masterpiece out of your song idea. Um, I'm not seeing any. <laughs> <laughs> I think this this like accurately depicts the King Tut's yeah. being open. <laughs> yeah, boy. Farting PVC bassoon and I'm not finding my ocarina samples right now. I mean, maybe we should just go with this bassoon sound. The bassoon is pretty good. I could also add that later, you know, That's just to kind of flesh it out a bit. The bassoon feels pretty good. Um, let's see. So then let's let's see. So to record stuff is is kind of a a pain. I could record stuff at home too. Um, so sure. like with with a scale like this, what kind of chords are you thinking of? I know I like. The, yeah, that's nice. The E7 is just good. That sits under a lot of things nicely. Um, and if we want it... So... That's kind of nice. Yeah, C augmented is actually, like, in key, which is weird. Because that hardly ever happens. Huh. Oh, we could... We could do a C augmented major 7 kind of thing. This is sounding kind of cool, actually. It sounds mysterious, definitely. It sounds like a, a, a tomb. Like a mysterious tomb. <laughs> Might have to clean up the melody a bit there. I was trying, Maybe. To, I was trying to make it a bit more fun with the, the note durations. and I think it got away from me a bit, but... I, I like where this is going, though. So maybe maybe we should just say that's a good start that's for a good today. Start for now, yeah. And just if you if you I'll, feel inspired to work on it a little I, more, well, I will definitely. I, I'm really do that. excited to see what you do. With it. Yeah, Alex is the prompter. Question prompter. Are How you satisfied feel? with? I, I feel completely satisfied. I thought just <laughs> be. I mean, just observing the process that you guys go through. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Um, well, so I've never seen that side before. So, this is cool. I, I haven't done anything like this in a little while, but uh, there was a little period in Groove of the Day where I was doing a lot of chance music or prescribed music. Like I would... Oh, uh, I did one where I took an Emily Dickinson poem and I mapped, I think, every word, the first letter determined the pitch, and then the length of the word determined how many 16th notes long it was.
for people who don't know what your groove of the day thing is. Yeah. That's really cool. But yes, <laughs> um, explain. Back in 2013, I want to say, I was just feeling kind of bummed out because, like, I've considered myself a songwriter for a long time, but I hadn't really finished a song in maybe two years. I just was like, ugh, what am I doing? I'm, you know, how can I be a songwriter if I haven't written a song in two years? Uh, then one morning, I was just like, you know, before eating breakfast or anything like that, I was just messing around in FL Studio. Because that's, that's a fun thing to do when you're, like, sleepy or bored. You just, like, open up some synth patches and, like, all right, yeah, I'm going to make, like, a little, a little groove in five. Um, and I just made this little thing with, like piano and drums and it, it wasn't even a song it was it was just a groove it was just like a dun, 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 uh, kind of thing I was like oh that didn't take me like any time I could just do that again tomorrow and see if I come up with something else interesting and then I did it for about a week. It's like, I could do this every day for a while, I bet. So I was like, oh, I should start a blog. And so I did it for a week, and then I started a blog of them. And uh, eventually they they grew into, like, a lot of them became, like, full-length songs, you know, with vocals. And there's a few that are ten minutes long. Uh, and, yeah, I've just done a whole bunch of different types of songs with it. Because if you're doing stuff every day... You run out of your basic set of comfort kind of prompts quickly. It's like, oh, well, I could, you know, the first week was like, I can make a techno thing. I could make, like, a like a spooky rap beat. I could make, uh, I don't know, like a little electronic reggae thing. I could make a somber piece. And then you kind of run out of those easy ones. You're like, I can sample the, the shaker at work and dice that up as percussion and then like just drench a piano and reverb and maybe play guitar over that uh, and use a scale I've never heard of. So, yeah. So you just get like forced to do these weird things that yeah. you wouldn't have ever thought of probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like fun little mini projects showed up in Groove of the Day too. Like your Body Parts uh, oh, album? Yeah. You made a whole, what, 10 songs? Yeah. Each based on one body part. Yeah, so I that, was, that was really cool. That was leading up to 200, I think. I wanted to do a big thing at song 200. I was like, well, uh, really, I should make an album. Because at that point, I was like, I've been doing this for a while. I should, I should try and get like a piece of releasable material. So I think I started with Hands, which was like a little piano. I, I wanted it to be, you know, something that would be very Hands kind of playing. So it has like a lot of piano arpeggios. And that oh. one has a like really catchy, riff yeah, chorus da, 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 sort of thing. Da 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 da. Yeah. And then the lyrics are about like the duality of hands you know they make things but then they also make problems like it's like oh I just messed this up with my hands play mess it's a wreck game I swear I only try to help try to fix it but it's just always everything that I touch and stay 
Feet song is pretty great too. It's like EDM. Yeah, I wanted to make like a like a French EDM or techno sort of thing. The lyrics are like I don't remember French well. I took French in high school, and so I just used that in Google Translate to make like the two lines of lyrics that are in that song, but I think the main chorus is, from time to time, my feet are the ones in charge or something like that. Just about dancing, even though I, I don't dance really, I'm just fall over. Uh, <laughs> So if you want learned like one major lesson from doing the groove a day thing, hmm. what would that be? Oh boy. Um, okay. I'd say the biggest lesson is that if there's something you want to do, you can make it happen. It just might not be in the form you thought it was immediately. Like, you know, I, at first I wasn't writing full songs and even, like, even up until I think 500 was my last one. Like a lot of those are just instrumental pieces and they're just like, kind of like maybe an A section and a B section and then it repeats or something. But like, you know, if, if you want to do it, like you can get yourself to do it. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta figure out a place to start. Just start little by little and just, you can get there. Yeah. So, and then the other lesson I learned is that is a very weird way to live your life and structure your time, uh, because it it does just consume you and everything you do during the day. You're thinking like, okay, well maybe that's the seed of the song or something, or yeah. like when am I gonna find time to do this song? And you know, some days I'd only have the the 29 minutes there. Just how yeah. I one of the other mini series. That I was telling you about uh, One Up Jimmy Jam Based on the fact uh, Do you know the Janet Jackson song uh, Together Again Or mm, you, you, you'd I probably, probably know it, it but... If you heard it um, So that one supposedly Like uh, her producers Have always been Jimmy Jam And Terry Lewis And like they had you know they got like the sheet music For the song from whoever wrote it and they just like, like, all right, let's arrange this thing. And legend has it, in 30 minutes, they just had it all figured out. Like, all the instrumentation and stuff. And I was like, well, if they can do it in 30, I can do it in 29. So I would just set a timer for myself on my phone, 29 minutes, ask a person, like, okay, give me a two-word prompt. So, like, Petunia Spaceship, Flute Party. And then they expanded out from there. I think it was longer prompts or just, like, stuff I wanted to do, but... Yeah, and you just, like, make a song for 29 minutes, and when it's up, it's like, okay, that's what goes out, I guess. That's awesome. So, out of the 500, do you have a favorite? Ooh, um, probably either 200 or 300. 
200 is the last one of the body series. That's head. And it's about brain problems, which I am well acquainted with. Um, and also about just, like, trying to make... It's, like, about the struggle of Groove of the Day, how you're just... Or any music or any art project where you're just, you know, you're you're just banging your head against the wall, just, like, trying to make something. And the people around you are like, that's weird, what are you doing? Uh, and you're just like, no, don't you see? It's important that it's like this. And... Yeah, um, and then I, I got to do, like, that one's, like, kind of a fun pop song, and the drums, uh, all, like, the hi-hats are samples of knitting needles, which is a good, just, like, tick 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 sound. Cause apples look so good when you're eating only wax, but the real stuff's stuffed with worms when you have to face the facts. But you'll only know the truth when you pick it off the ground. I was very angry at my boss and uh, the management at work so it's like kind of like a pissed off pop song um, I think again it uses knitting needle samples and then like just some other weird samples to make these like just dirty like synth bass sort of sounds but at the end of the day I still got my row I still got my best I still got the things I know And still pet my pets I can still eat my trash I can still watch South Park laugh and cry unabashed I still have my music And I still got my soul So keep your image, hide your insecurities, whatever you choose 
Because we'll still see it eventually. It's your life you lose. I got something good here. And you can't take that away. Because that's mine to choose. Do you think of music as kind of like therapy for yourself too? Uh yeah, in in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um so a week into Groove of the Day, um my my grandma passed uh very unexpectedly. And yeah, just it was it was one of those like I was I had been out of college for a year, so I'd been working a lot and doing the band stuff a lot, so I hadn't gotten to see her recently. It was kinda like Every time I saw her, I was like, oh, well, next time we'll have to hang out for longer. Well, she was like, we'll have you over for, uh, we'll have you for dinner. Um, and maybe we'll have some food, too. And that was the joke she kept making. <laughs> um, and uh, then just, yeah, one day she just, she went. Um, and it was, I think it was a heart thing. She was a, she and my grandpa were both Christian scientists, so they never went to doctors so, you know, there might have been something they could have done, but um, they both went pretty young. And, uh, yeah, just, like, having the the project to work on, like, amidst all that and, like, you know, trying to, like, figure out, like, how I feel and just feeling miserable about it. Like, I, I, could, I could make something and get something positive out of it. And, yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have some pretty gloomy songs from that period. Um, there's, there's one. I, they were all instrumental at that point, but there's one called Egg White that is about uh, a very weird experience. So she passed on a, a Sunday. I found out at band practice, like in the afternoon, and I just didn't know. Like, I was just like in a haze for like a day and a half after that, and so I went into work the next day. And, uh, I drove down from New Hampshire and, like, I had a coupon for a free Egg White McMuffin. So, like, alright, I'll get that. And I got that and just sat in the the parking lot at work eating my Egg White McMuffin that wasn't very good. <laughs> um, it might have been called, it might have been called, like, the Mick Egg White Delight or something. Something terrible like that. Uh, that just made it so much worse. Um, and yeah, just listening to the last track on the most recent Strokes album, which is like kind of like a, uh, it's called Call It Karma, Call It Fate. That's just like a weird, gloomy song. Um, it was pretty visceral. And then I just wrote like this weird song with like heavily reverbed synths and pianos and stuff. So now you're performing around with your brother and your dad. Yeah. What's, what's the family band name? Zaynoise. My brother's name is Zane, and we make noise. Uh, so <laughs> you put them together, take out the E's, Z-A-N-O-I-S, Zaynoise. That's um, great. I was listening to some of your songs there. Yeah, we're, what, what album were you listening to? The, um, the most recent one on okay Bandcamp. yeah so, that's like, that's all the stuff that we're playing out right now cool so. yeah like the song pig yes p-y-g yep 
Uh, from uh, Pygmalion. Oh, okay, cool. Because it's all about building people up, like you know, like a statue, yeah. uh, to some unattainable thing. Butterfly with a net again. Head over heels before it even gets a name. A neutral glance with too much subtext is how it starts. And the ending is the same. So you know the guitar part in the verses, right? Um, bloop, 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 bloop. Okay. If yeah. you if you had to guess how that's played on a guitar, um, probably one string to the next or something, or crossing so, strings. So it's um it's a tapping thing that I figured out. Uh, that you know the chord is just that 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 that, and we're we're like okay, well is it you know we could do it as like a reggae thing maybe or like just a fast like punk thing. Nothing was sounding right, and then I was just like screwing around. And I did this thing that I figured out in college or high school that when you um, when you do tapping just exactly an octave above and you kind of like pronounce the pull-offs a little bit, hmm. you know the Game Boy startup noise, the bling. Oh yeah. It, it sounds it's a like, bit like that. Yeah. Oop. Like it was. Yeah. So. Like quick op- octave jump. Yeah. So yeah. like I, I I got to use that in a song which felt great Before I forget, I want to ask you the question from my previous guest. Oh, sweet, the question yeah. Chain. So, Jake Heller asked, if you're going to do a song that's historically based, okay, how much research do you do, and Ooh. are you willing to change things in it? To- ah, oh, that's a good one. Okay, because um, I have done them before, and yeah, like this kind of stuff, I... Like, if, I, if it's just, like, hey, write a song about this event or whatever, then I, I obsess about, like, the details of it and just, like, get bogged down with that for a long time. Then I'm like, how do I make this into a song? And then, yeah, just try and, like, like I try and incorporate, like, some of the details from the obsessive amount of research, but mostly just, like, focus on the overall mood of the situation and so I think there's some changing it there because I'm probably taking a good deal of poetic license with the mood part. Like, it's, you know, like... Uh, well, you yeah, you just have to guess what people were feeling exactly. about these and it's, events and stuff, so... Most people in history probably didn't have, like, the, the same thoughts that I had or the same, like, weird anxieties and stuff. That it's like... Oh, he was nervous about this. No, he wasn't. You're just you're just writing a song. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah. No, guys, trust me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, what's your question for the next guest? Okay. Um, 
trying to think of a good people have had so many good ones on this that like like I've I've had ones that I thought of that are like oh if I ever get on Compose Request this is the question <laughs> and then like ten episodes later someone asked that and it's like ah dang like the one that that was like uh, how many what what would be your ideal instrument to arrange for and how many I had that <laughs> one uh, but that's because it's a good question um, okay. Uh, if you had to front a, a band or just like set up a band of three musicians, what are their instruments and roles? Um, just make yourself your ideal, ideal or most, I'd say most interesting band to you of any of the instruments you know about, including stuff that's like repurposed as instruments. Cause mine would definitely have like found percussion as as like I think probably like a sample pad and then also just like pieces of metal and wood to just have like cat sound because you know you don't want to hit an actual cat <laughs> um, but you, like having a cat's meow and then just like some clicky like wood sounds or something as your percussion element would be so cool yeah cool well justice it's been awesome talking to you here. Same, same to you. Yeah. This is cool. I got to, I, I've told like all my friends and stuff, oh, I get to be on my favorite podcast this weekend. Suck it. Um, <laughs> so. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you do with the yeah. cryptography song. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I'll get some, I'll get some funky stuff going on there. Yeah. And Alex, thanks for helping out with the Kickstarter again. I'm, I'm glad. It was <laughs> worth every penny. Yeah, yeah. How is how how much longer are you going to be out? I guess this is like a week and a half in, and I have two months total. So, oh dang! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, gonna... I'm going to have so many interviews, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, there'll be I'll have editing work for for eons. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the but problem. That'll be fun. Is uh, like you just have that stuff pile up. It, when yeah. you're like you record a bunch it's like oh dang now I gotta edit it <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah well and you have 500 plus songs under your belt so yeah well see those are easy because you do them in the moment but like I, I have I started putting them up on YouTube and it just like I started that like a hundred something in and I think getting the ones I had already up on YouTube took months just because I was like it, it's so easy you just open the video editing software put the image for the song and then put the song hit like render and you're done and even that took me like just months cause, like I don't want to do that and then type <laughs> words into YouTube yeah. I already did that in Tumblr this is stupid <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah so. yep well it's getting dark out here in the park yes yeah we, so. should, we should leave this park <laughs> we should <laughs> Who knows what happens in Concord, New Hampshire after dark. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. I'm in New Hampshire with Alex, and uh, we decided to go to Fun Spot, one of the largest old arcade places in the world, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. A part of it's actually a video game museum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's one of the largest arcades in North America, and we're up here in Meredith, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. It was, if you saw the documentary King of Kong, part of that was shot here. That's right. 
like all these elite arcade players come here, right? To yeah, and break whole, records and there's a lot of original games and uh, it's a big draw. Yeah. So I think I'll just start walking down the aisles so you can hear all the old annoying sounds that video games used to have. Yeah. You wanna definitely wanna get that on, <laughs> on tape. So. <laughs> pixel game and uh, the whole goal is to run over helpless pedestrians and so <laughs> that's the sound of them dying and being turned into gravestones well, come on you gotta run over okay fine uh, <laughs> I can <laughs> so, tell you're letting them such live a chore. just do it <laughs> kill those people Charlie <laughs> I guess I killed seven people there. 
He was being compassionate. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Charlie, it's Justice. To turn our prescribed melody line into a song, I decided to pick a bunch of instruments in FL Studio and use that fictional band to guide me compositionally. Dropping the fake bassoon we had started with for the melody line, I went with a bell for that, some tuned wood blocks for percussion, a VL1 emulator. Uh, I use the LSDJ method of just arpeggiating all my chords uh, to make for some fun time effects. And then a nice chunky synth bass. I ended up doubling the melody line and making one start a measure after the other so that you would get some fun internal harmony and counter rhythms. I wanted the song to follow a bunch of different movements through a sort of build and release kind of idea. Uh, that just felt right for me with this being an unsolved mystery. The song starts off with a little intro that sort of builds up the mystery and then kind of crumbles. Then the melodies come in, and you sort of build off that kind of Lydian vibe of the melody line in an almost Egyptian sort of sound. falls out uh, pretty quickly after it builds up, and you're just left sort of floating in the air. After that, I decided to uh, bring in like a little pop part uh, that has some more straightforward chords. Then at the end, I wanted to have it kind of like build up an ugly tower, and then you walk up it, you know, with the bass line there. Uh, and then you get to the top, and it's building and building, and all of a sudden you get there, and it just falls apart again. Uh, because that's how I feel with this code and with this melody line. You know, you feel like you're trying, you're figuring something out, and then all of a sudden you get there, and it just, it slips away from you. Hope you enjoy it. It's a weird one, but I had fun making it. Um, and I also had fun being on Composer Quest. Thanks for having me. Goodbye!
This call is now being recorded. Uh, hi, boy. Hey, Stringy. How you doing? I am doing well. In New Hampshire, uh, here, I'm going to have my first live on cable access debut. I'm going to be on a, a public access channel live show. I'm doing this with a, an internet friend. Tom Giarosso, and so I'm going to be the subject of this talk show about songwriting, so have you ever been on a, a talk show? Uh, I don't think I've been on a talk show on TV. No, I don't, I don't think that's happened. That's really cool, Charlie. And you're no stranger to cable access. I'm not, no, actually. That's how I got my start in the video world. Uh, ever since my Eagle Scout project back in high school, um, I did a documentary about my elementary school and interviewed a bunch of old principals. That's how I got my first job, and it was to make movies for the cable access station. And I'm excited to, like, Peek in on a on the process of another cable access station. That's really cool, John. I got two words for you: Tucker Betts. <laughs> Tucker Betts. Yes, the greatest video series ever created at a public access station. <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> so yeah, for uh, people who don't know, we created this infomercial character named Tucker Betts. We have all the videos up. They they are ridiculous. And probably one of the most fun parts is that I took some royalty-free music, just really super cheesy backing tracks, and I wrote new lyrics to them. Well, your smile is calling me back to you And your lips tell me what I should do just one kiss with you. If I get famous for some reason, the most rewarding thing will be if people find these stupid little videos that we did. <laughs> Remember that Golden Globe nominee who touched your heart in that special way? We have been friends for far too long. Now it's time to turn you he sold hundreds of records. His songs have changed dozens upon dozens of lives. Ah, Tucker Betts. Taking you back to that golden era when love meant love. But then when I Hello, welcome to Salem Community Television's uh, Visiting Artist Series. I'm Tom Jerosim. With me is Charlie McCurran, and we're here to talk a little bit about him and Composer Quest. So welcome, Char Charlie, uh, to the show. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Hey. 
thanks for uh, being here. Uh, you've been all over the place. Yeah. Right? I, um, yeah. I'm currently on a two-month tour uh, through my podcast, Composer Quests. Um, I had a successful Kickstarter project happen, uh, which meant now I'm I'm going around the country interviewing composers, songwriters, um, and then I'm it's a world tour, so I'll be going to Australia and Taiwan too. So that's I'm, a, a yeah. lot of places to be. Yeah, yeah. In two months, I, I think it could have been a four month tour, to be honest. <laughs> so are you are you visiting? Are you staying with the composers as you're going along? It's yeah, a way to immerse it, yourself. Yep. Yeah. So I I had this idea to do the tour um, because it's going to be the final year of my podcast, and I wanted it to be something kind of epic for the end of it. So I decided that I would put a call out to my listeners and just say, hey, where are you, and would you be willing to host me for a day or two? Um, and I got a, a ton of responses back, so I kind of planned my tour route on where people were. And So there's a lot of people here in New England um, who wrote back, and it's been really fun meeting people for the first time, like you. I didn't, cool. yep. We had only talked through email, so yeah. Yeah, that, that was neat. Yeah, this is the first time we've met uh, we've been working over the internet and through email for like the last five years, but it's kind of interesting. There's a whole subgroup of people who are who do music creating and songwriting for different uh, contests and things, and that's how we ended up meeting, which was very cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about the this uh, world tour that yeah. you're on. It sounds uh, sounds like a once in a lifetime thing to try out, and it's it's great you're in this unique position to be able to do it. So uh, as part of this, you're doing something with. Uh, you created a contest, the Olympic? Yeah, yeah. So normally through my podcast, I do these challenges for composers and songwriters who are listening. Um, they're quests. So composer quest quests. And I just had the idea to try and involve my podcast listeners in a way that is more interactive and they're like using the skills they're learning through these interviews with composers. So in the past we've done quests like um write a song based on a fortune cookie or uh create a children's christmas musical um and they've all been really fun and uh so i thought for this final big quest i wanted it to be a multi-stage thing so people signed up to be part of the composer quest olympics um so we have six Olympic-themed challenges for people. So far, we've done the National Anthems uh, Challenge, which is arrange a national anthem of your choice for any instruments um, and in any creative style you want. So we got a ton. So what's the uh, scope on this? About how many people have uh, put in already for, like, the National Anthem? Um, Yeah, that one I think we got uh, just around 30 submissions or more um and they're all like very unique sounding and cool to see people's different approaches on that and this is uh from a call out to the internet and you've got basically people from all around the world yeah that are submitting their national anthems or someone else's national anthems just their interpretation of how they should sound yeah what what are some of the um different versions that you've gotten so far uh well we had uh, a couple 
uh, Canadian anthems that were dance beat anthems. Um, yeah, not sure why that Canadian <laughs> anthem inspires like dance Dub, dubstep, dubstep yes, style, dubstep style. Uh, but yeah, it did. And um, several U.S. anthems. I mean, a lot of people participating are in the U.S. And then Tom, you you have submitted we, one. Yeah, Could you we, explain what your we have, submission um, was? Yeah, part of my comedy troupe submitted a fake anthem for uh, a comic book character villain. Uh, the villain uh, ran the country Latveria, and uh, basically that was their national anthem for this fake Bavarian country. So that was the first challenge. The second challenge, which people just submitted um, Sunday night, I believe, was uh, the ping pong challenge, table tennis. Um, and I was trying to think what would be a good way to represent that with doing a composition. And I came to the idea that I'd pair up composers and they each send one note back and forth and create co-create a composition one note at a time uh which in thinking about it i was like well that could be a really really tedious way to yes. do it like would you send an email saying i want a c sharp here that's two measures or two beats long and then someone would send back oh okay after that let's do a d and so that method probably i'm sure some people did that but uh you had actually yeah. used a different solution that sounded a lot better yeah somebody that was on the facebook page in the group because you've uh, charlie put up a, a composer quest olympics facebook page so that the uh, various composers could coordinate and also show off the songs that they had and there was a group called uh, i think it's a website called flat.io which actually allows you to do uh, a com composition store, score and uh, PDF, but also play various instruments. So if you're both logged in at the same time, it's almost like a Google Doc thing where you can share simultaneously and you could put n a note up and then you'd see it's up there and the next person would be able to put their note up. So that it was maddening to do, but uh, it was a little easier than I'm just going to email you my note and then try to compile it all later. Yeah. Yeah, those those turned out great, and I'm looking forward to sharing all these all these uh, events with people. So the the last four will be weightlifting, which I was like, well, what would that be? Good representation in music, tuba solos. So okay. people are going to be writing 30 second tuba solos. The next one is hurdles, and for that one, I'm going to be writing out a lead sheet, meaning. 
I'll just be writing chords, one chord for each measure, like G major chord, like you'd see in a guitar book or something like that. Um, so I'll be giving people these chords, and then those are like the hurdles that they have to write a melody on top of. So see how those go. Um, then there's Relay Race. Well, and the other one, are you gonna, is oh, everyone yeah. going to have the same hurdle? Or yeah, everyone you... will have the same chord sheet. So I think that will be really fun to see, compare what people do with using the same basic skeleton of a song, but then come up with their own tunes. Okay, so you'll have the one, it's basically like one note out of each measure you'll be giving them, and they're going to have to fill the rest of the notes in that measure for however long the song is. Yeah, well, and I'll just give them, it will just be the chord name, and then they can decide, like, well, they can decide instruments they want to use, whatever they want. So okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around it, because i got to do it with yeah, folks, you, too. Yeah. So I'm going, all right, how's that going to work? Yeah. So then the, the next event is Relay Race, and that's going to be like the story game where you pass one sentence and then someone gives the next sentence and so on but in music form so one composer will start an idea and compose for about 20 or 30 seconds an idea then they'll record it and it'll just pass from one teammate to the next and they'll continue on the composition so it'll be interesting to see if people decide well I want to keep it in the same style or maybe just go in a different direction, so it's more of a collage. We'll see what people do. That'll, yeah, I'm curious how that one's gonna come out, because yeah, I'm, I have no idea what to do with that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> and no one in my group, no one's jumped forward and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna start." Yeah, so that I think would... that's the first part. Is the group's got to get together and then say, "Yeah, you start," and yeah. then just go for it, go with it from there. Yeah, someone's got to break the ice, and then, and then the final one is composer's choice so each composer can pick an olympic event and decide how they want to represent it in a composition so anything that we haven't done already could be like synchronized swimming there's one composer who wanted to coordinate a bunch of composers to do this together we'll see uh or javelin toss maybe you <laughs> write a song that has a melody that just goes up in the air and then back down like in a big arc i like that idea so it's it's nice that you're seeing it's got to be exciting going out seeing all these different people especially since you've had interactions with them because i mean we've only met through the internet and through email talking Mm -hmm. back and forth working on a few projects together and uh now you actually get to go and connect with all these people because you've done hundreds of podcasts yeah and uh, yeah it's um it's really fun because part of this season I wanted to kind of bookend the series by doing second interviews with people who had been on the show before and a lot of times with the show I I haven't had hardly any repeat guests but I thought it would be really fun to meet the people who I've only met through Skype interviews Um, so I'm looking forward to hanging out with everyone in person and so far, yeah, I've I've gotten to meet people who I had only interacted with through email, and that's always interesting because it's like yeah. you don't really get a true sense of someone by <laughs> their emails. Yeah. Um, it was interesting in that um, there was a person I knew, Alex uh, Ruger, who went to uh, Berkeley, 
and he was a friend of somebody else's in a band, and he moved out to L.A. to actually work composing scores. And as I was doing, I said, you know what? you got to meet Charlie, because Charlie's got this great podcast that talks about composing. And at the time, Alex was just getting a job with uh, Danny Elfman. He was working with him. He's working with a bunch of other composers there. And I, and I, I connected you two, and it's like, you're going, why are you connecting us? But then you had, like, this long conversation uh, and it turned into a podcast, which I was really excited that just to connect you two together, mm-hmm. I thought it was neat. Uh, what was it like to like get something out of the blue like that? That suddenly, wait a minute, who, why am I talking to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's I've gotten a lot of suggestions for guests over the years, and and people always wonder like, oh, how do I pick the guests that are going to be on the show? But usually, it's like, um, you know, I I do try to get some people who are more recognizable names for people who are just starting on the show then I can be like oh yeah you might know this person who wrote music for N64 games or whatever but in a way I kind of like just interviewing people who aren't famous too because it's like this American life style like everybody has an interesting story doesn't regardless of if they're a celebrity so sometimes it's just like if I find their music intriguing or if I think they have a cool perspective on it, I'll just go for that. There was one um, of the podcasts which surprised me because it's like it was someone I was curious about. Uh, it's a YouTube uh, video performer called uh, Syriac. Syriac, yep. Syriac, and I'm going, I always loved his work because it's just so mind-blowing the video-wise, and I didn't realize he also composed his own music and you did a whole podcast yeah. just on his his music and I went, wow, that's just, that's someone I never thought of even contacting, let alone find out how his workflow and process goes. Yeah. That was, and how, yeah, how that was it? a really fun episode because I had seen Syriac's work. He does like, all this like surreal morphing of animals and like his biggest video is called Cows, Cows, Cows. And it's just a bunch of cows that turn into spiders. And, but I, ne- I didn't realize he did the music, like you said. And, his music is like I think such a huge part of his work but yet no one interviewed him about it ever it was always about the visuals because people don't think about how much of an impact the music has but his way of composing though is so strange like he has no music theory training but he does the music in a very, very visual way too so he was telling me about how he'll draw out these shapes in his recording program with MIDI notes and it just sounded it, it, very interesting. It sounds, you, you don't know how he got there, but it makes a lot of sense when it's like, well, he's looking at a visual representation of the notes mm-hmm. and that it's like, okay. And it didn't expect that at all, but it was very, uh, very neat that um, it surprised me that you found him. And I'm it's like, never even thought, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great person to interview. But you never even yeah. thought about doing that. That's well, when you're doing a, a podcast episode every week, <laughs> sometimes you're just like, uh, I need a guest. Uh, well, let's look up. Let's see what who I can find. <laughs> so. That's very cool. You, you've done a lot of stuff. You did stuff before you started the podcast. I, I know I, I'd seen, I think one of the first things I saw was the uh, CD that you did where it was multiple. You did an A and a B CD, and they were meant to be played simultaneously in two different CD players, so it made a third song. So it was similar to doing multi-track, but you could listen to either A or B as separate music, 
but if you put them together, it made more than the whole. It was kind of an interesting yeah. project. Yeah, that was my senior thesis project in college, and it took two years of a lot of composing, and I was also teaching myself how to record stuff at that time, too, so it's still, like, very unpolished in a way, but it was kind of just experimenting with all sorts of sounds, and yeah, I was just so driven by that concept of, like, I really want to make a CD, a double CD that can be overlaid on top and make a story out of it, too, so there's, like, voice actors in it, and when you overlap them, they coordinate in a way, uh, so, yeah, that's the mystery of gray matters, so. Yeah, very interesting. It's something you should bring back. Just It's like the hits. You bring back the hits <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Anyway, you, we did that, and I know you did um, another contest before you did uh, Composer Quest was uh, something called Frankensong. How did, yeah. How did you come up with the idea of that one? Uh, yeah, Frankensong um, was a weird challenge that we did where I asked songwriters to sign up and I put them into teams of four or five people and then I gave each of the teams a very bare bones percussion track that basically just acted as a metronome. And then I said, well, now pass it to someone on your team and they add one layer. Maybe it's a guitar layer or vocals or piano or whatever. And then pass it to the next person and then they add another layer. There's something scratching at the trees. It's curved its fingers round my window. keep going down the line until you have a whole song. So then we all came back together and you got we got to hear what each team did with this percussion track and it was just pretty amazing seeing how how different they came, became obviously after five different people added their their own instrument. I I thought that was neat in that it literally was a franken song everything was just stitched together. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> when we were doing we did one of them I know, I think Christopher Kogut was doing the first track, and he just looked and went, what, what the heck is this? Because it didn't have a steady beat at the time. You just, I, we thought you just made it up and were screwing with us. Oh, <laughs> we, we <didn't laughs> well, it was supposed to have a steady beat, <laughs> we, but no, I guess. No, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I intentionally changed the different sections Where are you headed next on your tour? What are you? Uh, so next, I'll be kind of 
turning back around from the East Coast and heading back to Minnesota and staying in Chicago along the way too. And then I was originally going to drive across the country, like from <laughs> from oh. here down to L.A., but I realized my car is getting too old for that. So I'm going to fly from Minnesota to California and then fly to Australia, then fly to Taiwan, and then fly back to L.A. and back, back to Minnesota. So that, That's exciting. Now, um, there's got to be some costs involved with that. How do you focus on getting yeah. those costs covered? Yeah, well, so I, I, like I was saying, I did a Kickstarter project, um, and that's luckily that's covered all my travel expenses and food and stuff for this two months. It's originally... I was going to ask for half of what I did, and my friend Jason Schumacher convinced me he he had done a Kickstarter for his film stuff, and he was like, you have to actually look at your entire budget and make sure you're getting enough. So after doing that, I realized, yeah, it is going to cost a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, so the Kickstarter and crowdfunding has been really amazing. Like, if I was... If I was born, like, in another era or, I don't know, like, in the past, it would have been way harder to do the kind of stuff I'm doing because I basically am a freelancer in all all my stuff. And the podcast, I, I had been doing Patreon with it, which is, like, Kickstarter, but for episodic stuff. Um, so... Yeah, really super appreciative to everyone who's been donating through Patreon and Kickstarter. But yeah, Kickstarter, it took a while to build up an audience to that point, you know. You it, can't, you, it doesn't seem like Kickstarter is the type where it's like, give me, here, give me money. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You actually have to have a nice idea that will inspire people and that want to help mm -hmm. you along. And it's not just about, raising funds to do the project it's about basically taking everybody on that project with you yeah. and you, you've been doing updates right along and we're going this is one of them right now is uh hey where am i i'm over here yeah i'm in new i'm at sale new hampshire right now yep i've gotten this far and I've, you know you got this is early in the the game but yeah it's step one so that's good yeah and i've realized as i've been going that like well I'm probably not going to be able to post podcast episodes while on tour because uh, it's just I do a lot of editing. And so sometimes I think people probably tend to overpromise on Kickstarter in terms of the actual products that you're doing or, or even the rewards too. Uh, yeah. I think just if you're doing one of those, you have to keep in mind like each if you try to do something individualized for people, like for me, it's writing postcards for backers, which is going to be totally fun, but also, you know, it's a big time commitment as well. Yeah. So I was thinking that when I saw your rewards, I went, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be enough to get the raw materials for doing your interviews, let alone mastering them and getting them out while you're on the road. That's going to be a big challenge, and I, I think you're smart to hold off so you can keep the quality of the 
the podcasts up, but everybody knows they'll be coming down the line once you've got yeah. a little, once you've got some downtime to be able to start putting it together. So that was, mm-hmm. that was a good decision, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's overall just been really fun, like, kind of putting this podcast together in my head as I go and thinking, like, well, all right, so this episode I might need some background transitional subway noises for the New York episode, for example. Or So I'm thinking of it maybe a little more of, like, how a, an NPR producer would or something like that, where as opposed to my previous episodes where it's, like, very clear it's one person sitting in my bedroom studio with me and <laughs> you know as as you go along you get uh, a different approach on how you you put the the cast together and i like how when you're talking with somebody you may refer to a certain part of their work and then you'll replay that part of the work so you can refer to what's going on with the thing it's, i thought that was a nice uh, touch yeah what are your most memorable podcast that you can say i know you don't want to say oh this is my favorite because nobody wants oh, sure. nobody wants not but I, I know you've got a few that are like oh my goodness how did i how did this end up happening while yeah. i was doing it yeah well I, th- I think one of the most fun points in the podcast was i was interviewing mary beth hutland um who's a real talented composer and she's participated in about 16 out of the or 17 or 18 maybe out of the 20 quests we've done. Um, but so she, I was interviewing her and found out that she's synesthetic. And so that means that when she hears music, she gets the sensation of color in her brain. So synesthesia could be like either music is crossed with colors or smells are crossed with sounds or there's a whole bit, bunch of different ways that works. But it was so fascinating talking to her uh, because I would say, like, well, what does this piece of music look like to you as a color? And she can say, like, right away, oh, yeah, that's a purplish blue. <laughs> uh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. So then the very next episode, I was interviewing someone totally random after her, um, Warren Hildebrand, who doesn't even live in Minnesota, or and I had no idea that he also had synesthesia. For him, it didn't seem quite as strong, but as he was describing his songwriting, I eventually was like, "Are you are you synesthetic?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think so." So that was a really cool moment That's in this, the podcast. Is there anything uh, you wanted to? Tell folks while you're on the tour. I know you're you're heading out, but um, um, what what are you? Uh, I guess your your ultimate goals, and what do you want to see happen? I guess yeah. I, I have I've realized that I've been doing probably on average two interviews per day, <laughs> uh, and some are just short. But I'm ex- really excited to put them all out, and they're going to be very large episodes, <laughs> and that's really exciting to me though too because. I feel like in putting them all together as a big arc of this this season of the show, I think it'll be really fun. Like Almost like uh, you'd look at a photo album of a trip or a journal of the trip. It's kind of like my personal tour journal, journal for the future. So 
I'm looking forward to it. It'll, it'll be fun to, to see where you go and the people you meet and how what, what they have to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having me well, on, Tom. Thank you. This, this is uh, Charlie McCarran with uh, Composer Quest, who's on a world tour right now. I'm Tom Giroso for Salem Community Television. I want to thank you for listening, and this is probably going to be part of Charlie's podcast, too. So yeah. if you need to do your closer open, oh, whatever you want to do, that's yeah. fine, too. So, yeah, this uh, if anyone wants to check it out, it's at composerquest.com or on iTunes or any other podcast apps. So, Well, thank you very much for for watching with us. Uh, We're on live stream right now, but uh, we'll also be out as a regular show coming on Channel 17 eventually. Thank you very much. Good night. Thanks. Our third Composer Quest Olympic event was weightlifting. And what better way to represent weightlifting than tuba solos? In total, we had 30 composers finish tuba solos, and Eric Ebeling was nice enough to learn and record these tuba solos. So thanks, Eric, for taking the time. Now let's hear from Wilhelmine Rust about how she approached her tuba solo. I have never written anything for someone else before, let alone the tuba, so I try to understand the tuba by listening to tuba songs on YouTube. I also watched weightlifting videos to set the scene for my song and um, there was one in particular that had a nice clear build-up and I picked a tuba software instrument from Logic and started to play along with it on my keyboard so the song is a soundtrack to a video. I noticed I used a lot of uh, 16th and 32nd notes, which is easy for me to play on the keyboard, um, but I wasn't sure how and if a tuba could do that physically, um, like being able to breathe and and all. So I googled that, um, but I didn't get a proper answer. Um, In the final version, I've kept some of them in, but not that many in a row, and I'm curious to hear um, what our tuba player um, was able to make from it. Another challenge was making a melody uh, with just one track, one instrument, as it was a solo, and I normally work in layers of tracks and harmonies to create uh, a melody, so this was a new way of working for me. Here's Danny Blackwell on his tuba writing. It's quite liberating to know that it was only a 30 second composition because I really didn't know what to do for this piece. I'm, I'm not great at scoring, I don't understand the tuba too well if I'm honest. Mm, but it's a good excuse. All these have been, every challenge has been a good excuse for me to get motivated and go out of my comfort zone a little bit. And uh, I studied music, but I can't really read or write. I'm more or less illiterate, even though I've got a degree. I kind of bluffed it because I play by ear. Anyway, to get to the point, this is a piece that I wrote a while back. Uh, I don't know if it would be considered modal. It's kind of like Lydian. I was inspired by the Lydian. Or it could be just, I guess, in D with a sharp fourth. But when I was studied, I was always fascinated you know, by relationships, mainly the major seven in the major chord and then in the sharp fourth in the major. I was always really fascinated by them. I've got this, this 
weird tension. And I was interested by the idea of Greek, the modes, each one affects your feelings. So at first I tried playing guitar, it came out all funky, weird, wrong notes. And then I sang it, and it came out pretty much right. And then I had to tweak it to get some of the notes right and the rhythms. And some of the rhythms are a bit odd because it's basically freeform, there isn't a rhythm. Uh, and I didn't know whether to instruct the tuba player to just play it freely. I was kind of curious to see it would have come out if you just played the notes at any rhythm. Uh, but I've given him a rhythm. Um, maybe I'll tell him if he wants to mess around with it, he's free to do so. Uh, I'm hoping that they can print that out and play it. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> To hear all these tuba solos, you can go to composerquest.bandcamp.com. In the next Olympic update, we'll hear about the hurdles challenge. I'm going to give each composer the same set of chords, and they'll decide what melody to put on top of it. Stay tuned. Jenny Katz, uh, I'm here in your house. I know. In Northampton, Massachusetts. This is really fun. Uh, what a pleasure. <laughs> we just had some dinner with your family here. Uh, yeah. Food from the farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to see you, your real live self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember exactly when I interviewed you, but was that three years ago it must have been because i recorded my album four years ago galaxies yep yeah and i mm. remember you... and we talked about that mm-hmm. so i was listening back to your interview on the road hmm. um and i thought i'd check in on the there was like three things you're interested in doing i think one was a children's album one was a Christmas album, and one's an album with your dad. <laughs> it's so funny. I was just thinking about those things because I haven't done any of them, <laughs> but I'm doing some of them now. Um, my cousin, my favorite cousin, is pregnant, and I I'd happened to email her and say, hey, I want to write you a song. And she wrote back, why? And I said, I don't know. It's time. And she wrote back, well, you better make it a lullaby. So I wrote her a lullaby, but it was about 20 seconds long. <laughs> I thought, that, can't, that doesn't count. That can't be what I give her. She needs, she's been a, a person who's given me many gifts of, of different kinds over the years. I thought, I, I need to give her more than this little tiny song. So I guess I better write her that album that I've been trying to write. And that was that's been an interesting thing writing lullabies because they have to they have very specific criteria in some ways at least how I approached it at first. You have to be able to sing them without any accompaniment. They need to be something soothing rhythmically and tempo-wise. You you're trying to put somebody to sleep. So how do you put somebody to sleep 
with a song that's soothing enough to put them to sleep, but isn't so boring that it puts the other people to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a, that's been an interesting thing. Plus, it I found that I was going to very simple traditional chord changes, and I was bored before I even began with it. So how do I make that more interesting? And could you sing one of the lullabies? I could if I. Let's see if I can remember the the ones that I wrote that don't need accompaniment. I can't remember because I because oh. <laughs> I've written, you know, I don't know, maybe ten or twelve of these now. So the most recent ones that I've written, one isn't. I decided not all of them have to be lullabies. They could just be children's songs. So I could play you one of the more recent ones. More, you know, just being last week instead of three weeks ago, because uh, I can't write multiple songs at once very effectively. I have to be in the space of one. I often have many songs unfinished at a time, but I have to be working on just one because I'm thinking about it all the time. Um, but it was that, that was a fun thing to do because this year for me specifically has been about experimenting and about stopping worrying being about being ugly or boring or bad not just in music but in my whole life and in fact it, about six months ago I guess I had this revelation where I thought all right I just turned 45 and I've always had this idea of how I sing this is here's how I sing this is my range this is the kind of songs I sing this is what I can do this is what I can't do I thought what if I didn't have those ideas about my voice. How would I sing? And so I started taking voice lessons again. And I went in and told her that, said, I want to start over. I want to not have any ideas about what I can do and most specifically what I can't do. And I've had massive breakthroughs. I'm singing in a way I've never sung in my life. My range has expanded hugely. And, and most importantly, about two weeks ago, I went in and I said, I have this great teacher in Northampton, Celia Miller. And I said, okay, Celia, I want to sing ugly today. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I, well, I just want to not be thinking about being good. I'm so obsessed with sounding good. I don't want to think about that. I just want to try sounds and see what I can do. And we had, we've had such a cool little series of lessons since then. Because if you're willing to just try something and sound stupid or sound bad or screechy or I have I have all these ideas oh I can't sing like that because I sound very pointed if I sing like that or I sound very strident or I sound very this and so I don't I won't even go there but if I do go there then then I can try to do something with that and I can literally move around the muscles in my lips and try to open my vocal cords wider or narrow them or push the sound out toward the front of my chest or let it go up into the back of my skull or whatever. And sometimes that sounds good, quote unquote, and sometimes it doesn't. But I used to think it was only okay to do the things that sounded good. And yeah. now as I'm listening to people sing, there are a lot of times, listen to Prince how many times does he sing? And if you just listen to that note, you would go, 
what is this person screeching or whatever? <laughs> but it's amazing in the context of the song. It just, it's just a great sound and it's perfect for that moment. And so experimenting like that has been just fantastic. And when I get into the realm of writing these songs, let's say these lullabies or other songs that I'm writing, there'll be, there'll be parts that are what I would label boring or bad. And I know it because I have a feeling in my body there where I'm like, "Eh, it's just not, I don't have a hit there. And then there are other parts where I do, like I just, this song I'm working on right now, I just wrote two days ago or something. Um, The first line is, my friend, it's been years now since you died. And most of the words in that sentence make no sense in my brain. And the first half of that line, my friend, it's been years now since you died, is not a hit. That's not done yet that's going to have to be something else because it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. yet. It's not what I would say. But the second half, and most of the words in that sentence make no sense in my brain, that's a hit. That's that's a real line. And Hmm. so I'm not worried, in other words, that I'm going to get stuck with something boring. My body will tell me, okay, that's done, or or it's niggling at me and it's saying, I'm not quite happy with that part yet. So that's fine. I'll be able to go back and still work on that. But if, as I'm, I have to have something in the first half of the line to get to the second half of the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay if it's bad yeah. or boring. It's so. Well, based on that that line, it sounds like this is uh, this is your lullaby. No, right? no, that's a different. Oh, okay. No, no, I was that like, would be a... oh, that was, that is, this is a dark lullaby. <laughs> yeah, that is album. a dark lullaby. <laughs> Although I was thinking about that too. The, the, um, this isn't a lullaby either. But one of the songs that's going to be on this children's album is called "Dandelion Baby," and there was a part in it where I say, "Changing all the time, weeping in the sunshine, changing all the time, laughing in the rain." And I thought, should I say weeping? Should I say that? Do you even say, is that okay to say that in a kid's song? You know, maybe it should be laughing in the sunshine, dancing in the rain. That's still a change from sunshine to rain. Would that be better? But there's something, if you listen to Pete Seeger or Arlo Guthrie or some of their old songs, they're all about death and you know, let, let's kill the woodchuck or, you know, and, and eat him. Oh, mom, mom killed the woodchuck, shot him in the... Da, 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 da. It was probably dad, actually, not mom in the songs, but... It's okay. It's okay to have weeping. That's, a, that's real. That's a real part of your life, you know? And, and so I think it would be great if this thing that I'm doing right now, that I'm experiencing in my life about how can I... How can it be okay to be with ugly? How can it be okay to be with disappointed? How can it be okay to be with all these uncomfortable feelings? I mean, kid, yeah. if kids can learn to do that early, that'd be better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Thinking of lullabies as a kid, there is like kind of a bittersweetness right. to it sometimes. I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> I know. I know you yeah. don't. But it's, and yet it's time. Yeah. So, what else have you been up to in these past few Let's years? Let's see. What have I been up to? It's funny to reach a point in your life where you're thinking, okay, what do I, what am I doing? What do I, what am I doing with my life? What should I do? 
and to look at it realistically and say, okay, well, I'm probably not going to go be a touring musician at this point. I'm 45 years old. I still could, but I'm probably not going to. I don't really seem to be driven to do that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Therefore, I'm probably not going to do it. I know that could change, but it doesn't seem to be where I'm putting my energy. And, and, and also, that's okay, that I don't have to do that. It doesn't have to be what, what, equals, a, what equals success. What do you look for to say, I have a successful life. I feel happy with my life. And I don't think I'm going to ever be a rich and famous songwriter or singer, but I love writing songs. And every time I do it, that's all I want to do. And that's all I need to know, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and in fact, if anything is ever going to come out of it, it's going to be because of that, because I'm, I'm just following that and I'm doing... The thing, not that there isn't virtue and necessity in learning how to market yourself and all those kind of stuff, but it's important to me to have whatever it is I'm offering, ever putting out there, be something of value. And the only way it's going to be is if it's the most full and real reflection of myself. And that's why I really am excited about the way the work has developed I, I can't even listen to my album I never listen to it ever <laughs> occasionally one song or another song but I think that's good in, in some ways that I can't because it shows me that I've come some distance and I'm somewhere else and something else is interesting to me now I'm not just interested in oh let me listen to how great I was then or how not great I was or whatever I'm, I'm doing this now I want to write this song now and yeah that, well think thinking about uh you're talking about like different voice styles and things like that. Mm. Are you using those kind of different voices for different characters in your songs these days? Or is mm. it, is it all genuinely like your, your own character? It's interesting. Uh, in one of my voice lessons, I think two weeks ago, Celia said, okay, you know, Tom Waits, how he has that, that character kind of voice. She said, what about, why don't you try doing something like that? I said, okay, I'm going to be Tom Waits' wife, and we own a bar, and I'm singing. And I sang this song of mine, and it was the best I'd ever sung it by far. It was so surprising to myself what I did. I, I, I messed with the tempo, and I took pauses in places, and I went faster, and I emphasized different things than I had before and it was a surprise to me and that was what was thrilling because I realized that that's the difference between always going for something that sounds good in a sense I'm like okay I'm gonna find whatever I have to do technique wise and with my body and with my with these lyrics and whatever to make it perfect and then I'm gonna always do it just like that okay well that's dead right mm -hmm. so Instead, what if this time I do it really, what if I do it bratty and I, you know, do this and then another time, what if I do a real sultry and then another time I could, 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 it could have a lot of, it could have a lot of air in it, but not necessarily be sultry, you know, and it's, th that's interesting. I, I don't even, I've made a shift in the past couple of years from thinking, oh, I want to be happy, which I do, but 
more than happy. I want to be interested. And sometimes you're not happy, but it's still interesting. You know, and, and Celia, my teacher, has a mirror behind her. So she's sitting, face, she's sitting at the piano facing me. And behind her is a, is a mirror, so you can watch yourself, which was horrendous and terrifying to me when <laughs> I first started going. And I would stand, in fact, a foot or so to the left, so I couldn't see myself in the mirror. I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror. I looked terrible, especially because the first exercise we would do would be like, where you're holding your cheeks up, and I look, you look ridiculous. And then something happened, and I became more interested than I was scared. And then I stood, and I really wanted to look at myself in the mirror and see, well, how am I holding my mouth? What happens if I hold it this way instead? What if I stand like this? I, just this past lesson, I, was, I realized I would sort of rock back on my heels when I would sing a certain note. I was not stable. I, I wasn't grounded, and I wasn't singing it as well as I could because of that. And I could see that in the mirror. I was moving. And to be more interested than scared or, or focused on how it should be, that's the key to everything for me right now. Yeah. Would you be up for playing one of your yeah, new let me, songs? Let me if think you... if... Uh, let's see. Dandelion, baby, you are changing. Everybody's changing all the time. Go to bed, your head is full of yellow. Waking up, it's silvery and white. Comes a day you'll find that you're trembling to go. All you do is take a breath and blow. Dandelion, baby, you are changing. Everybody's changing as we go. Yeah, everybody's changing, changing all the time. Weeping in the sunshine, changing all the time. Laughing in the rain, changing all the time. Fireflies and moonshine, savor every pleasure and treasure every pain. Dandelion, baby, you are changing. Everybody's changing all the while. Go to bed, your head is full of sorrow. Waking up, you'll find you remember how to smile. And every time you're longing for a life that isn't this, just take a breath and see that you've already got your wish. That's the beauty of the world we get to live in. Everybody's changing all the time, yeah. Everybody's changing all the time. That's um, great. Yeah, so let me see if I can remember the, the other one. Baby, it's time to get quiet and slow down. Come and lie, I'll sing a lullaby as the stars come out. 
Oh, there's nothing in this world even half as wonderful as you. We look kind of puny on the outside, but on the inside we are vaster than the sea. Stormy on the surface, but we're steady underneath. And the deeper down you go, it turns out the better you can breathe. They say time is nothing but a game. But before I knew your name, I could hear your heartbeat. I wish I had a garden full of wisdom I could give you. But the best that I can do is pick a wildflower or two. Baby, it's time to get quiet and slow down. Come and lie. I'll sing a lullaby as the stars come out. Oh, there's nothing in this world even half as wonderful as you. Too bad it's a little out of key, out of tune. That's nice. But uh, yeah, so I think that could be sung without an accompaniment. Um, you know, I, I sang it while I was imagining holding a baby and moving, am I moving the right way? Can I walk around singing this, putting somebody to sleep? And Um, it works. Yeah. That's interesting thinking about it that way. Cause like, I suppose now that you have the chords in your head though, you'll have to test it on some people. I'll have to test it and see. Actually, I did that a couple of times. There were some other ones that I thought, oh, this is such a obvious chord progression backing this up and then I listened to myself on my phone singing the melody back to myself a few days later I thought I have I can't tell at all this is this you know <laughs> which I think is why so many lullabies are you know Just, in the pentatonic scale and the I mean yeah. it's a very it's a really interesting challenge I'm not sure that I have I do have some other ones the ones I can't remember that are written in a more traditional format that you could definitely tell ah yeah you know hmm. have you thought about like for the recordings if there would be any other backing things with it like beyond just you and the guitar i definitely want to do some that don't have any backing i have the, here's one song that i like it's it's not a, well it is a song but it um Keychain, I got keys on my keychain, keychain, I got keys on my keychain, keychain, I got keys on my keychain, keychain, keychain. I got a big key for the front door, I got a little key for the back door, I got a black key for the car door. Keychain, keychain. You know, you could go on with other keys, which is another thing that's fun. I like kids' songs where you can make up new little verses, you know, based on what. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, a different kind of bird or a different kind of food or something if, like that. If you need to extend it while the baby's like, <laughs> or, the and that's actually less, I think, of a lullaby and more of a 
something you would sing with a group of kids. Oh, yeah. Go, okay, Charlie, now now you. And, yeah. you know, Charlie would say, oh, the feet. And then he would <laughs> sing a verse about feet. Um, a lot of the children's music I grew up with is brilliant and amazing. And a lot of the stuff I've heard now, which granted isn't a lot, to me, it's too, um, it's not universal enough. It's like the language is too, I, I don't, I don't want to go to bed. I want to stay up and have fun. Kind of, you could place that in a very specific time and place. That's not how everybody always talks. What, what is, what is always true? The sky is always true. Birds are always true. You know, the feeling of rain is always true. I feel like that's better material for a children's song. It's something mm-hmm. that could be true in a hundred years that you could sing then. Yeah. A little more poetic than the daily life stuff kinda. I mean it's it's it is exactly the daily life stuff. But it's so there's that trick. How do you actually I think that's what I'm trying to do with all of my songwriting too. The that the best lyrics are the ones that is the truth of my daily life. The more I try to be clever, the worse it's going to be. So how can I work to get closer and closer to myself? Another, another great directive that my singing teacher gave me was, how little space can you have between you and the notes? And I feel like that's how I want to go to, for lyrics and notes as well. How, how little space can there be between my experience and this song? Not in a way that's navel-gazing, in the opposite of that, in the way that is the, the more accurately I can capture my experience, the more likely it is that someone else will be able to relate to that experience. Because I'm not just using shorthand for it. I'm not saying sad. I'm saying ache in my teeth. You know, and somebody else, when you say I, I have an ache in my teeth, somebody else can feel their teeth. And yeah, you were saying earlier that some of the songs from your album have held up for you, but I'm curious, like, what are those songs and why do you think they held up? The the song people mention most is Rock, which is in fact the song which is most true to just my words and my experience. And if you're... Looking for a rock You want to Catch your breath If you need a place Where you can find some rest When you're lost at sea You can just swim back to me The one that I think I like the best turns out to be Galaxies, the title track. Well, I also love that. I would say Galaxies and the Bearded Lady and the Fat Man are the two yeah. that I love. <laughs> Galaxies for two reasons. One, both my dad and my son play piano on it, and that's very beautiful to me. And uh, also, there's a line you don't have to know the name of the road. Whichever way you're walking is the right way to go. And that, I'm so happy I 
have those lines <laughs> in yeah. my life. Don't have to know the name of the road. Whichever way you're walking is the right way to go. And the bearded lady and the fat man. I don't listen to it very often, but I and I don't play it ever because it is an alternate tuning. So I never happen to be in that tuning. But it has the line in it. He runs his fingers through the hair on her back. He says, "I've never been so happy." Which every time I have ever performed it, everyone in the audience laughs, and that is something I would like to do more of. And I don't know if you've ever heard the song I wrote called "Monk Comes Home." It's about a a woman who flunks yoga. She flunks out of a yoga retreat. Monk comes home, rigging a failure, feeling just as empty as her begging bowl. What kind of loser flunks yoga? She couldn't touch peace up there with a ten-foot sole, and it sure seems long that she's been gone. I'd like to turn Monk Comes Home into a story album. I'd like to write prose also and have mm. some songs, have maybe seven songs. And a, do you know the album The Point by Harry Nilsson? No. Oh, you got to find I grew up with that. Incredible. And it's a, it's a half an hour, and it's a story. And there are, you've probably heard the song, Me and My Arrow. Do, 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 do. You ever heard mm. that song? That's, 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 a, that's, that's on there. That sort of percolated up to national consciousness. But... Um, it's, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant little story and has these wonderful little songs. I would like to do that with Monk Comes Home. And I'd like to find how to be funny. I'd like to consistently be funny. Not hilarious. I'm not hilarious, but just in the way that life is funny often. Mm-hmm. And sometimes at the worst times. And I've struggled at times to find where, how I'm original there are other people who are cleverer in many, many respects. But I can feel somewhere I have a deep sense of humor at the world, with the world, whatever the right preposition would be. And I have that to offer. I haven't tapped into it as automatically as I have been able to tap into some other things. Like writing songs now is not scary for me anymore. I have zero fear. If, about it the process i know that eventually it will be it will be terrible and eventually it will be good mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it remains terrible I'll, i won't use that one but that's okay to get to go through terrible to get to good writing prose i still have that block when mm-hmm. i graduated from college i intended to be a novelist that didn't happen i have much too loud an editor screaming in my head that's terrible that's the worst but maybe i'll be able to move toward doing that with songs and stories mixed or maybe I'll just be able to borrow some of the tools I've learned writing songs to write stories or maybe I'll just won't write stories and we'll keep writing songs but in any case that humor is something that is unusual and it's my own and I I want to figure out how to yeah get to it (laughs) that is tough like I'm super impressed with stand-up comics who can just I don't know. 
the timing and the oh, tone and everything, like, yeah, I can be funny in a funny situation in life <laughs> yeah. with people, but yeah, how do you do it in an art piece yeah. as a, like an album or something right. like that? And just the, and the funniest people to me are the people who just take, I mean, they take life. They're just like life. Look, look at this, <laughs> look at this piece of life. And it's so funny. And you, and you laugh cause you recognize it. And that's just so brilliant to be able to spot that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe your voice acting, your new, well, newfound voices could be a part of that. I think maybe not like that's a gimmicky way, but no, like, that's interesting. You know, I thought about that. Characters. Hmm. Like already, just hearing you you use those different voices was like, you could be a voice actress. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool idea, and because presumably each of those beings <laughs> has a different way of looking at the world, and will have different observations and things that they notice. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've been that. I've been listening to the comedy podcast WTF. We were yeah. kind of talking about that, but. Little things will pop out at me from those. And I think one episode I listened to recently, they were talking about how, like, the characters who are the funny characters are never aware that they're, like, the crazy ones. Like, that's just their reality. And that I think that's great. Like, that's how the humor happens is yeah. they're never aware of it. But, yeah, as the audience, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your view of the world is totally crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm. Well, Jenny, you and your dad have been working on a project. Um, You're showing me about it a little bit. Mm. Um, freescaling. Freescaling. Com. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's the de- What's it's, that project? I, very, I'm very excited about that. And actually, that was something that I've been working on. Well, we've been working on it for years together. Putting it online has been the the project of this past year, almost exactly a year. Um, It had begun as a way to help teach people how to improvise on the piano. Dad had presented it to some teachers, and it was a little bit overwhelming. The idea of improvising, this is the perfect conversation we've just had because I've been talking about being afraid and trying things, and, you know, when, when you say improvise... That's very scary, and even to me, I'm not a big... I haven't done a lot of improvising musically in my life, although we don't ever think about the fact that we are improvising constantly. This whole conversation is an improvisation. We Mm. just don't do it musically all the time, necessarily. But so we started to try and figure out how to ground it in some specifics, this, this task of learning how to experiment. And we've developed this whole cool protocol around it about that takes melody and harmony and rhythm and helps teachers and students just get used to what it feels like to try stuff and that it's not at all an unfamiliar process or a scary process here's how you do it and once you start doing it and that's the only way to do it is to do it um and that is true of anything that is true of songwriting or parenting or building something or anything you want to do the only way to do it is to do it um dad coined this little phrase instead of learning how to play piano instead of learning to play you're playing to learn 
you stop thinking, oh, I have to pl- always play the right notes. I have to do this, this one particular way. I have to play this song that's written with these word, these notes on the page. And if I play the wrong note, I'm wrong and I made a mistake and that's bad. That's the opposite of what this program is. This program is you are a music maker. Let's get closer to the process of music making and yeah. see what that's all about. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was kind of cool that you're saying like you started doing videos where mm. you'd show like your dad playing something on the piano and then the student would in theory like copy that right. visually but I, I thought it was cool that you kind of went with the new approach of like have the student just listen tell them put your hand in the c position and then just listen for the right melody and that's so cool like hearing the even just like going up the scale one half note at a time but yet you have the backing track that's like yeah. super exciting that's a big part of the program is the these backing tracks there are more than 200 different backing tracks in the program you've been listening to the recent episodes but we we have a question chain going from guest to guest oh i haven't Uh, heard that so yeah the the last guest i interviewed justice mcdaniel his question for you is if you were the front person in a band Mm. like what would your perfect trio be of instruments in that band so it's i'm I'm one of the trio so there are two others yeah i think so okay so i'm not very good, but this is perfect. This is an ideal idea, ideal, right? So I would play drums. I'm learning how to play drums. <laughs> makes my dad laugh, but oh my God, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. I play with my whole body. Okay, so I'm going to play drums, and uh, my dad's going to play piano, and my husband's going to play bass. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to come up with a question? Yeah. Okay. How do you decide when you're done? Hmm. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> How do you decide when you're done? When there's nothing niggling at my body saying, because mm, I, I you can ignore that, you know, and just be like, this, here you go. All the, all the lines rhyme and it's done, <laughs> you know, but if, for me anyway, I'm not going to like it yeah, a few months down the road. Well, Jenny, it's been awesome meeting you in person here. Such a pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me over. Thanks for doing this. What a great adventure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it all with the rest of us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bye, Composer Quest. It has a lot of space.
You have to really trust yourself, I think, to give something space. with something clever or technical or, you know, impressive in some way. Here's my feeling. Here's my feeling. Here's here's my heart. Recording out on the porch. Um, it's dark out. Uh, after gin, after dinner with Jake and his mom Barbara. He's having a good time. Jake's entertaining us with some songs, and this one seemed like especially appropriate for the road trip. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure who wrote it, but I uh, hope you like it. I hope I can what remember all the lyrics. What is it? What is what? The song. Rhode Island is famous for you. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. Totally great. Could be. Copper comes from Arizona. Peaches come from Georgia. And lobsters come from Maine. The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska. And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain. Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky. Ain't the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue And you You come from Rhode Island Little old Rhode Island Is famous for you Cotton Comes from Louisiana Gophers from Montana And spuds from Idaho They plow land in the cow land of Missouri where most beef made for roast beef seems to grow. And Grand Canyons come from Colorado. Gold comes from Nevada. Divorces also do. And you, you come from Rhode Island. Little old Rhode Island is famous for you. Pencils come from Pennsylvania. Vests from West Virginia and tents from Tennessee. They know mink where they grow mink in Wyoming. And a camp chair in New Hampshire, that's for me. And minnows come from Minnesota. Coats come from Dakota. But why should you be blue? For you, you come from Rhode Island. Don't let them ride Rhode Island. It's famous for you. 
It's famous for you. It's famous for you. I thought this might be a fun time to write a song together. So we're going to try Jason Schumacher's prompt of write a song about how all the rules are arbitrary. The true lesson of Alice in Wonderland, as he says. Write a song that acknowledges the rules and then break or distort them. Yeah. That's a... It's a sounds like a fun challenge, and I I don't know where it's gonna go, but we'll right. try. It. We'll, we'll try. It. It. We'll try to figure it out. So, hmm. this podcast called our De- debut album by these two Canadian comedians, where uh, in each episode they write a song in an hour, a hit song in an hour. They said and. They don't just want to write goofy songs, so they said no goofier than Ween. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, you you're saying you've never collaborated on a song before? That's true. Well, that's cool. <laughs> I haven't that much. Like, it's hard to do that lyrically. Like, yeah, come together to write a coherent song. Right. So, I mean, I guess I most of my songs are kind of narrative. So, this the whole rules thing is, like, kind of conceptual. Like, I don't know, what... I mean, me uh, personally, I, I think of the breaking the rules part as, like, could be strange chord choices, or, like, the melody does weird things, or... Right. But I feel like our lyrics would have to somehow break the rules too yeah it's a little hard to because if everything breaks the rule and there's not necessarily a lot to hold on to when you're listening the song to the song but then i feel like i'm kind of arguing against the the assignment which is no good uh well we could he did say acknowledge the rules then break them right so we could start out like doing it one way maybe there's a verse, then a chorus, then a, a verse, then maybe you never hear the chorus again, or... Can we no... start the song with a bridge? Sure. How does a bridge at the beginning not just be a verse? <laughs> well, I guess if it's never repeated, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. I was just thinking of this, like, a seventh chord at the beginning to make it mm-hmm. seem like... It's already unstable. Like, you don't get the one chord. Yeah. So if you were going to start with the concept... Right. Well, the question. Like, Like I'm kind of... I think I'm a little resistant to writing songs about... Writing songs. Yeah. This whole concept is making me question everything, virtually everything. <laughs> I, I'm like, well, but maybe that means that's what we should do. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, I mean, I think it could be a story, but then maybe the story just goes somewhere weirder. That is my specialty. <laughs> or, I mean, I wrote a song once that uh, was kind of a murder ballad, except that 
the two people just kind of broke up and <laughs> never saw each other again. <laughs> that was the that's that was great. the resolution. I wrote that song and then I was like, "What is the intended audience for this song?" <laughs> and I couldn't figure. Well, it out. Well, maybe people who are like so angry at someone, but then they realize like, well, it's not the biggest deal. Yeah. Well, okay. How about this? I don't so, need to kill that person. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's a pretty yeah, extreme don't, audience, I, don't I guess. To, I don't need to take them to that shallow grave that I dug <laughs> next to the river. <laughs> um, so, well, how about this? So, what are some rules of songwriting that you think of? Like, if you think of songwriting, story arc, I guess, is sure. a rule. Beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Just that something changes in the singer's perspective. Okay. We could do something like or the song you... starts out rhyming and then it just stops rhyming after that. Yeah. Or Right. That's tricky. We need to make sure that people understand that that's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, or or it could just like break down and maybe maybe there's like a lot more pauses after the start. Mm-hmm. So you, so it's like very smooth flowing, and then suddenly you're only doing half the lines or something like that. Yeah, I once a musical experiment I did once was I just like you know um, I walk the line. If you don't have that song, uh, modulates a bunch of times. Like it basically goes up and down the circle of fifths. Oh, like the first verse is in uh, I think. E, and then the second verse is an A, and then the third verse is in D, and then the fourth verse is in G, and then it goes D, and then it goes back down to D, and, and it ends, the last verse is an octave lower than the first verse. Oh, it's like weird. pretty interesting <laughs> for a song that seems really simple. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to write a song that just kept going up the circle of this forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which it was difficult to find one where I could play all the chords. And, and then I was like, I don't think people will understand what's going on no yeah the music theory side of it probably would not be an obvious yeah that's a little too abstract maybe also i feel like our song has to involve crickets yeah since there's the buddy holly thing (laughs) but crickets and the moon darkness uh this can also be a really short song, if we want. Yeah. It could just be, like, a verse and chorus, and then that's the end of the song. Yeah, I uh, I feel like something I learned from They Might Be Giants is that it's perfectly accept- acceptable to have a verse, a chorus, and then they repeat, and then the song ends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of like this, even though I don't know how it's going to work. So... One of us can sing the verse, and the other can sing the chorus. And I feel like normally when you do something like that, there's like, like there's a disagreement, like or something. Like there's there's two points of view, and they're kind of playing against each other. So maybe there's a way of having it so that the chorus is basically, like, yeah, that's right, everything that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh man, yeah, that's good. So here's my side but of the story. But here's my yeah. side of the story. I was walking down the street, and then I uh, walked into the... Okay. And then I realized, actually, you're right. The yeah. End. Essentially, that's, 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. This is good work we're doing. Here. <laughs> so, who are these people? Right. And what are they just... Uh, we could be inspired by the pig races today. Sure. Um, I don't know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on at the fair? I mean, there's. I'm just thinking there's, of like conflicts, but there's everyone. Pole. There's no conflicts. Everyone gets a ribbon. Yeah, that's true. And even the the graduation photo guy. <laughs> yeah, someone had a photo just of their graduation picture with their mom and dad. They got a white ribbon. They got <laughs> Third place. Third place. I mean, it could be a traffic song too. I know you oh have your God. you have your traffic song about like you're like what mad at someone in traffic. Oh yeah, the killer robot song. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it makes no sense to anyone who hasn't listened to it. <laughs> Find well, that song and then you'll understand. Yeah, watching killer robots eat your head off my first album, Mistaken Identity. Um, okay. Maybe there's some kind of, like, cheating thing where there's a contest of some kind. One person loses and thinks the other person cheated. And then the other person says, yeah, you're right, I cheated. <laughs> yeah, that worked. That could work. <laughs> um, so then what's the contest and what's the it's cheat? It's got to be something like a bake-off or... Uh, or quilting. I like the Bake Off because there's all kinds of possibilities for sabotage there. I feel like. Yeah. So, what are we making? Um. <laughs> Do you have any uh, favorite desserts? Yeah, or things that you like to cook. The only thing I make are Red Lobster biscuits. What's that? Um. Do you have Red Lobster out here? Oh yeah, we do. Okay. Okay. Um, it's like these delicious garlic biscuits. And, yeah, those are easy. They come in a box. Sponsored today by Red Lobster. Uh, no. If you were entering that in a baking <laughs> contest, I think you would get a white. <laughs> but they're so delicious. No one will ever know. Okay, that's what? Well, maybe that's the so, cheat. Yeah, you <laughs> got them from a box. Right. I think that those biscuits are from Red Lobster. <laughs> yep, you're right. Okay, I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so I entered the baking contest. My uh, so you're, you're my the biscuits are the best. Well, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, mean, you, I'm just no, you gotta the be narrator. A, okay, yeah, and then I come in in the chorus or something. Yeah, and then you're and, then, and you know my biscuits, uh, you know, have been have won for years. And then you come in, and you take home the blue. But you're right, because I lied this whole time. Because <laughs> these biscuits are from Red Lobster. <laughs> they were from Red Lobster. These biscuits are mine. Yep. Yes, you're right. All this time, because I lied. Or what, what how did I say? Because these biscuits are from Red Lobster. That's a these nice, that's a fun rhythm. <laughs> that was just totally out of the blue. All right. That's great. 
Yes, you're right, cause I lied all this time. Cause my biscuits were from Red Lobster. Biscuits were from Red Lobster. Oh, ooh, okay, I'm hearing some good chords here. Alright. You're right, cause I lied all this time. Cause these biscuits are from Red Lobster. Yes, these biscuits are from Red Lobster. All this time. <laughs> All right, I, I got my part done. All right. Maybe. Okay. I, I brought my biscuits to the fair. Thought I'd win another year. But I couldn't believe. No, I. I couldn't. Couldn't be true. The blue ribbon. You'd, the ribbon. You'd taken the blue. Yeah, you'd taken the blue. Perfect. Couldn't be true. You'd taken the blue. And I couldn't. It a. My ego took such a beating, but I know that you must have been cheating. Something like that. All right. Yeah. Uh, am I going to remember all that? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly not. <laughs> Took the biscuits to the fair. I thought I'd win another year. Uh, what was the next line? I couldn't believe it was. I couldn't believe it was true. You took home the blue. My ego, it took quite a beating. But I know you must have been cheating. Then, but it's the chorus. Yeah. Into the chorus. <laughs> Should the song be that we pass the guitar? <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious in a live performance setting. In a live performance. I kind of like that, actually. Yeah. We just pass the guitar. The sound <laughs> effects of passing the guitar. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> I'm in. <laughs> okay. So, let's try this. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Let's see. So, I took my biscuits to the county fair. I knew for sure I'd win another year. Then I couldn't believe it was true When your biscuits brought home the boo My ego, it took quite a beating But I know that you must have been cheating Yes, you were right all this time. I had lied. My biscuits were from Red Lobster. Yes, my biscuits were from Red Lobster all this time. You were right all this time. I had lied. Yes, my biscuits were from Red Lobster. Yes, my biscuits were from Red Lobster all this time.
bastard. The end. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's what most people would have come up with, given that prompt. Yeah, and this amount of time before my battery dies. Well, that too. So there you have it, there Jason. It is. Yep. So, yeah, Jake, that was a pretty successful first collaboration. Yeah, I think so. We, uh, I don't remember exactly how we ended up where we got to, but... <laughs> we set up some rules. Right. And broke them. Yeah, we uh, we ended up with a song that promised conflict and then didn't really deliver it. Yeah. And uh, then I improvised a little bit where I called you a bastard. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that <laughs> part. <laughs> yep. We should say it is 11.36 p.m. Hey, under midnight. That's not bad. Yeah. So I guess this will probably be the end of a Composer Quest episode because... Oh, right, yeah. It's got to end that way, at night, yep. out with the crickets. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, yeah, thanks, Jason Schumacher, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, thanks. And, this is my first time collaborating with anyone on a song, really, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, Jake, it's been awesome hanging with you here. Likewise. So best of luck to you with your songwriting in the future, and... Thanks. And yeah. your podcasts. Yeah, good luck with your future ventures, and I hope that the rest of your travels are successful, and I can't wait here in the episodes. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's just listen to some crickets, I think. Thank you.